In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps, inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill. Climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. You're welcome. You're welcome. How did I do on that on that ad read? By the way, what do you, what do you think? Well, before we started recording this, we were talking about gain, which is an <laughs> audio term uh, for how sensitive the mic is to your voice. And we said, well, actually, our guest today, who I won't spoil, said you need to turn your gain down because your little purple lines of audio registration are like they look like someone having a heart attack that's what it looks like <laughs> we're staring at our screen and everyone is a line and then when you talk you get this little line up and down and yours looks like a person having a massive seven <laughs> artery heart attack and so you you did it or you said you did it and then you did that read for the climb for to prevent cancer prevent lymphoma and it and it, it just went wild, like you were just all over the map. So I hope that uh, I hope that the that it came out okay. It's a good cause, and people should do it. But I'm worried that it's going to sound based on the, your lines. I'm, I'm worried that it's going to sound like you're shouting at people and like de- and like angrily demanding that they climb 1,762 steps when it should be more of a sort of inviting thing. Of like, yeah, you that's know, true. Like, no, you that's know, right. a, a kind of like come along with us and help us with this important cause. But based on the EKG line of your audio, it looks like you're just absolutely losing your mind. Well, the good news is that uh, I've never thought about any of this audio stuff before. We and, and never would again, uh, except for uh, our guest today is uh, a true audio expert and the podcast special correspondent uh, for pop culture, Linda Holmes. Linda, welcome. Hi, Joe. Hi, Mike. Hello. How are you? I mean, I'm okay. I feel like when people ask that question right now, the range of answers is like much smaller than usual. It's like you're somewhere between like a C plus, like when things are okay, you're somewhere between like a C plus and a B. And I'm probably right now, I'm probably a B and that's, that's good. Yeah. B is like the high end of what you can be now. Like a B minus, I would say, even if you're, if you're grading on the curve, you got to you're, you're B minus. You're you're at the top of your game, you know, exactly. in, in this world. So exactly, that, that's kind of how I feel. Is that you're very blessed, as I said, you're very blessed. If right now you're going back and forth between like B to C plus, yeah, like, that's all good. 
I, I have a, I have, I always have this in my life because I'm a very fortunate person, but I always feel like complaining about anything is, is sheer folly, uh, in my life. And now, uh, in the last couple of months, I've, I've quadruply felt that like I have, I have a house and I have toilet paper and that puts me, you know, in the upper, I don't know, 6% of all life on earth. <laughs> Oh yeah, those two absolutely. things. So I, so exactly. I, I, I'm with you. I feel like the, um, the question, "How are you?" The answer is always like, "I'm incredible." Like, I, I mean, <laughs> it's amazing. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm so grateful and so, like, um, blessed and and relieved about the fact that I have a house and toilet paper. So, uh, I'm right. with you on that. I think the ceiling for how good anyone can be, who isn't, you know, David Geffen on his yacht somewhere <laughs> off the coast of off the coast of some island. Uh, the ceiling is much lower, obviously. But but if you're nestling up against that ceiling of just basic human uh, experience, then you are uh, among the luckiest people on earth. And you ought to think about that all the time. But right. Don't you think that there should be I mean, we all do it. I, I do it constantly, instinctively. But like, how are you is not the right question to ask in this. Like we, we need a better sort of conversation starter than how are you? Because there's no, there's no good answer to how are you uh, for, for all the reasons that you're saying. It's almost like we need to, to be able to say, you know, I don't know what's your toilet paper supply like now. I mean, something that, that yeah. gives like is more direct to, to what it is. Because if, if you ask somebody now and you said, how are you doing? And they said, I'm doing great. I just haven't right. been happier in, right. in years. Killing it. You, yeah. Right. <laughs> you don't want that. There's another right. funny thing that's happening right now, which is that the most basic of human correspondences now start with like an 11 sentence, uh, you know, I hope you're safe. I hope yes. you're okay. I hope your family is okay and your friends and your loved ones. And, and so now you're getting these emails where it, it'll be like, uh, it'll be, it'll say, I'll get an email. that's like, dear Mike, um, you know, I hope, I hope this email finds you well in these uncertain times, you know, it is a, a great, we find great joy in even the smallest, uh, you know, uh, you know, pleasure or luxury. And we should all consider ourselves, you know, the luckiest person in the world. If we're safe and sound, do you need new air filters? If you do. <laughs> Uh, Jiffy Lube is, has a special on in air filters yeah. this week, and it's like, and it, 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 everyone just feels like they have to start with this like pre, right. like this eleven sentence preamble. Right. And I'm and I among many things that I look forward to when this is all over is the removal of that aspect <laughs> of my life because yeah. I don't need Jiffy Lube to, to like to check in on me. I'm fine, Jiffy Lube. Leave me alone. Yeah, and this this comes up a lot, as you can imagine, because I, I cover um, pop culture at NPR and on a podcast, there's a um, I get a lot of PR pitches. Um, yeah. And I feel so much for publicists because this is what they have to do. And like they're, they're, they have no choice. They have to promote what they're supposed to promote. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it'll be like, you know, like you said, it'll be like, I hope this finds you well. I hope that you and your family are, you know, finding ways to remain safe. Um I wanted to let you know about this reboot of Crank Yankers um, <laughs> that, we're, that we're extremely excited to be presenting. Um, just uh, there's no there's no reboot of Crank Yankers. I, I but 
you know, it's things like that. Same uh, thing, yeah. 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 Well, but I mean, if you think about it, because there's no possible qualifications right. that you could give to anything now that would make it seem important. That's That's not directly related to COVID. So no matter what it is that they're trying to tell you, you know, it first has to begin with like 20 reasons. Like, look, this isn't important. It really isn't. What's important is your safety and your family. And I hope they're well, and I hope everyone is doing well. And I hope that we're gaining a new appreciation for each other in these tough environment. Um, but you know, there's a new pitching device that people yeah. can use now to become, throw the ball harder. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, what else are you going to do? I, it is, it is a very difficult time to be pitching things right now. It okay, really so is. I, so I, I have an idea. I have a pitch for you, for you two. Um, what we need in our society, among other things, is a word, a single word that means, I hope this email finds you well. I hope you're safe. I hope your family's safe and your friends and you're finding a path through these difficult times and blah, blah, blah. We need one word that means that. Right. And then we can, so we'll just, it'll be like Biffle or whatever. And right. We'll just, and then we can just start every email with Biffle, comma. There's a new right. pitching machine or do you need new air filters for your car or whatever. And that exactly. will just, it'll just save a lot of time. Like if we can all agree on just a word that means all of those things that we're all thinking and saying to each other, right. we'll I save got it. a tremendous amount of time. What do you got? I got it. IFIS. IFIS. It is, it is the acronym for I hope your family's safe. There you go. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. Just go out and just the ifis period and then go on to to uh, whatever it is that you're trying to sell me in the first right. place. And right. I because I feel I mean, that's a that's a good written option, because I feel like I, I sort of know what I think the the spoken face to face slash screen to screen version should be, which is, you know, you just like you open the conversation, you see the person on Zoom, they see you and you just go eh? and they go. <laughs> Yeah. And then right. you have your conversation. Right. Um, Cause that would also get me out of the most awkward thing about me and, and video chat meetings, which is every single time when I first see my face come up on a zoom meeting, I go, it's a me. <laughs> and it's just, it's just, I can't help it. I can't, I can't not mean, do it. You mean like, like Mario? Says? Yes. Yes. <laughs> It's okay. a me. It's a me. <laughs> and that's that's it. That's the that's so weird because every time I see my face, I say, I'm a Wario, I'm a gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just a weird coincidence. It is weird that those two that connect, connect like that. Yeah. That is a weird coincidence. It's a me. I would love you for you to every time you come on this podcast to start off with it's a me. It's yeah, a that me. should that should be your that should, everyone should have his or her own. Uh, the version of me saying thank you for having me, Joe. Yes, and Linda, right. Linda, yes. We've, just, we've just decided that Linda's is as Mario from the popular <laughs> Mario gaming community will say it's me, Linda. Yeah, I think yeah. you need to say Linda, right? Like, it, yeah, Mario sure. doesn't Mario say it's a me, Mario, or am I making that up? Probably, probably. Uh, it's a me, <laughs> Linda. I oh, know, I like yeah. it. Me, that's, Linda. That's, <laughs> what is Seppenwall's uh, intro to this thing? I mean, we know our response. It should, it should be a line from Groundhog Day, whatever it is. <laughs> it's true. It really should. It should be Ned, Ned Ryerson. You there should just go. do that every single time <laughs> oh, he comes geez. on. <laughs> All right. We, we, there's, there's much discuss, and we are going to have a draft, but I think we have to start. Um, well, there are two things we have to start with because they're both 
for good causes and they're and they're both kind of uh, a little bit off and goofy and fun. But we'll start with this. Mike, did you actually release a video this week? I, I guess did. it was last week. I did, Joe. Yeah. Um, so in case you haven't heard the story, here's the brief version. I started a fundraiser for the L.A. Regional Food Bank. Uh, I decided awesome. to I decided to match donations up to fifty thousand dollars, and we had uh, like nine or ten thousand dollars very quickly. And I tweeted that if we hit fifty thousand in an app, in uh, by the end of the night, I would shave my head. Uh, once again, had not thought it through. Didn't inform my <laughs> wife. Didn't do a lot of things that I should have done. Um, people got very excited about that, including our own Brandon McCarthy. Uh, and started donating very quickly. We hit $50,000 in an hour. Um, so then I was really in it. and I. But I figured that the key to this um, was my humiliation. That was what right. was very clear. The lesson I learned was my humiliation <laughs> equals money for people who need food. So I started offering other things. I would wear a Derek Jeter jersey. Um, I would eat a hot fruit pie, which uh, uh, most of you probably know I hate hot fruit pie. And I just kind of kept going. The end of it was um, the total amount raised was $336,000, including my uh, match. I matched it uh, at, at some numbers slightly shy of whatever half of 336000 is. Um, but that was the total amount raised. And then, but as over the course of it, a bunch of people had emailed me and said, or tweeted at me and said, would you, instead of shaving your head, would you consider regrowing the beard that you wore when you played Moe's on The Office, which is a way worse fate than shaving your head. I would, have, I would have so much rather shave my head. It's not even funny. If I had shaved my head, it would have, it would have happened at that moment, which was now you know a month and a half ago or whatever, and and it would be grow, fully grown back by now. It would be fine. Instead, I had to do the other thing, which is slowly wait for hair to grow out of my head <laughs> instead of shaving it. Uh, so I put that up uh, as a poll. It came back 70, 30 Mo's. I grew my Mo's beard. I grew a full beard for, um, for, I don't know, six weeks or something. And then shaved the mustache. Uh, my kids were so horrified. It was so funny. <laughs> it was really, it was almost worth it to see how disgusted and horrified they were for the like two hours that I had shaved my mustache and the top of my sideburns to get the full Mo's beard. Um, I bought a Derek Jeter jersey. Joe tried to get me a Derek Jeter yeah, jersey. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to this in a minute because that so, they're, they're, that is an ongoing saga. There were so many problems trying to get a simple Derek Jeter jersey. I finally just bought one for $130, which is adding insult to injury. It's a definition <laughs> of adding insult to injury. Um, I had to buy it from a from a, some online place in New York. Um, and And there was a side note. There was a weird thing where I was like, this has to be the pinstripes. Like if I'm going to do this, I'm, I'm putting on the pinstripes because I'm going to wear them with pride as all true Yankees do. Sure. And so, but the problem is, is Yankee home jerseys don't have their names on the back. So my choices were pinstripes and just the number two or the away, the sort of ugly gray away Jersey with Jeter on the back, but not pinstripes. And then I just kept looking and looking and looking until I finally found one place that was selling a Jersey that I don't think exists in nature, which is, pinstripes with name with name on the back i finally yeah. found it um so i bought that for 130 american dollars <laughs> hard-earned american dollars went to a company that makes this horrible object it finally showed up i shaved my mustache my kids were horrified i made a video of me eating a hot fruit pie there was a second problem by the way getting the fruit pie because 
you know, it's not that easy to get things right now. And so I, <laughs> I, I went to a local bakery because I wanted to support a local restaurant and I went to a local bakery and they were going to deliver it through this food service delivery thing that shall remain nameless. They just, the food service guy just didn't show up or lady. I don't know if it was a guy or lady, um, which, you know, again, it's hard to complain, right? It's hard to complain and say like, how dare you not immediately and efficiently <laughs> pick up a pie and deliver it to my house during a global <laughs> pandemic. So then I had to go drive to the bakery and get the pie and come back. And then I had to reheat it again, insult to injury because it had cooled in the amount of time that it had taken for the food service person to not show up, came back, made a video, ate the pie, wore the Jeter jersey, had the Moe's beard, ate the whole pie. And also then as a, I, I figured why not in for a penny and for a pound, I solicited from some friends of mine, the things that they would most like to hear me say out loud. Uh, and I read them all. Um, it's that actually started because my friend Seth Myers had said, I will donate. I think he said $10,000. If you say, if you say the words Spygate is real, meaning the Spygate was real, meaning the New England Patriots, uh, Spygate, not the Astro Spygate. Right. Um, so then that gave me the idea of soliciting other things that people could in, might enjoy hearing me say. So I made the video. I, I said things like my favorite one, honestly, which is such a deep cut is Willie McGinnis was faking that injury against the Colts <laughs> in 2003. There's no way anybody remembers that except for Colts fans or Patriots fans. But in, in a key, I think, November uh, matchup, I think in Indianapolis, William McGinnis, the, the Colts were driving, the Patriots are by like four, the Colts were driving, they were, they were like 10 seconds left or 20 seconds left, they were at like the three yard line, and they ran a play and and were stopped, and then Willie, and the Patriots had no timeouts, and William McGinnis got injured uh, and like had to come out, and like the clock stopped, and he had to come out of the game. And then the Colts ran another play and got stopped, and then McGinnis came back into the game and looked totally fine. <laughs> And then on the final play of the game, Willie McGinnis came off the edge and tackled, I think, Edger and James and stopped him like a yard shy of the end zone and the Patriots won the game. And there's, it's been long been a, a belief on the part of Colts fans that he was faking the injury to give the defense time to regroup. Um, anyway, I had to say that. I also had to say that um, Tom Brady doesn't have the heart of a champion which is why he could never beat Eli Manning when it counted. <laughs> there are a lot of there are a lot of good ones. So I did that whole thing. I put it up. My debts are paid. I have a clean slate now. Uh, but most importantly, three hundred and thirty-six thousand some odd dollars went to the LA Regional Food Bank, and that is the story of uh, my personal humiliation fundraiser. Linda, what what was your sort of critic's take on on Mike's video? Critique me. Give me a letter grade. Yeah, I thought it was, I mean, I would give it a solid A-. minus. I would have liked a little bit more pie. Um, yeah, I agree. I think, Come on. But I think it was, <laughs> but I think it was a, a good celebration of um, the, the, you know, as Mike said, the power of humiliation to, to do good. And, um, and I appreciated it on that level. I think it was uh, persuasive, uh, moving. Uh, <laughs> you know the the Mo's the Mo's beard looks a little different than the last time I saw it. Well, Mo's yeah. is a little Mo's is a little older. Mo's, yeah, Mo's, Mo's yeah. Is aged a few years. Yeah, Mo's the Mo's beard. You know, some things had changed. 
about yeah. the Mo's beard, yeah. but uh, but I still was happy to see the Mo's beard again because it 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 I am a I am a Mo's uh, I'm a Mo's stan. So well, who isn't? I think um I think the 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 one thought I had was um should I to get the full effect? I mean, first of all, you may be also reacting to the fact that the last eleven times you saw the Mo's beard, it was fake, right? Like, right, it, it right. Wasn't real. Yes. And this was this was the real deal, and as such, it was more sort of unkempt it wasn't and made by Hollywood and or yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and I did have the thought of like if I really want to do this fully I would buy some I don't know just for men beard coloration stuff and like dye it back to the color that it was when Mose was was 30 <laughs> and not 44 <laughs> but then and this is what happens when you make a tv show about ethics um then I was like well what is the like what am I asking of an Amazon factory uh, delivery person? Like, like risk his or her health and safety to to get some just for men or other <laughs> beard dyeing material so that I can dye my beard back to the color it was when I was on a TV show 15 years ago. Like, I just couldn't quite get myself to the point where that seemed like it was worth it. Um, yeah, no, so, of course not. Yeah, of course yeah. not. Yeah, so I ended up with a with a pretty uh, salt and pepper. To put it uh, to put it generously, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, the it's the it's the right decision to me. The to me the the essence of Moe's, if I if I may say, hmm. is not the color of the beard. It is my memory of Moe's running along beside the car. Yes, that's right. the best. That's the best Moe's. That's the best Moe's there ever. Sure, was. that's that's Moe's at his finest. That yeah. uh, here's some trivia. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but. Um, Paul Lieberstein wrote that episode and uh, where Jim and Pam go to stay at Shrewd Farms yeah. and Mo and Paul just truly loved humiliating me. Like a, or it, yeah. it's the only thing that really, truly brought him joy. And in the script for that, it's the, the way it was described. It was Jim and Pam drive up the long driveway leading to Shrewd Farms. Suddenly out of nowhere, Moe's appears and runs along the side of the car like a dog. That's literally, <laughs> that's literally how he wrote my uh-huh. acting role into his script, uh-huh. and that's what well, that's what I did. I was gonna say I, it's basically what happens. Yeah, right. no, I would say that that was that was pure acting on your part because you you nailed that. It's good stuff. It's good. It stuff. is good stuff. All right. So what happened was, you know, Mike obviously wanted to get this video up a while ago. He didn't he didn't want to be sitting there with that beard forever. So. Back at the end of April, I guess, I uh, threw threw, uh, a little bit of money and a couple of connections, uh, got him an official Derek Jeter Hall of Fame jersey. So it's the jersey that, uh, of course, they won't have the Hall of Fame ceremony this year. um, But when they do next year, it's the official jersey from the Hall of Fame uh, that I had uh, sent to him. And... It literally said it'll, you know, it'll take five to seven days and it'll be there and it's, and it, you know, it'll be done. And I just forgot about it. I just was like, all right, good. That's done. I've done my duty. I've, I've donated my amount of money, uh, into this cause beyond what I already gave. And this is good. And I feel, feel good about it. And I would say it was like two weeks later that Mike emails me and says, Hey man, I, I got to I got to get out of this beard. I've, this is enough. I'm. Mean, do you have any luck with that Derek Jeter jer- uh, jersey? And I said, Yeah, no, I sent it. And he goes, Well, I've, I haven't gotten it. So I went on the site 
to look and what happened. And of course, you know, nobody to blame. We're in a pandemic. Uh, but it got delayed to July 1st for oh, delivery. Wow. July 1st, well, but but it gets it gets so much better. <clears throat> so Mike said, Well, I'm not waiting to July 1st. So he figured I'll figure out another way to get a jersey. Uh, we tried to lean on Brandon McCarthy, who, by the way, came up zeros for us. Am I wrong about that? The le- one of the least helpful, um, like interventions in history. Because we were like, "Hey, man, you you literally work for a baseball team. Can you get me a Derek Jeter jersey?" And he just wrote, "I'll I'll look into it." And then we never heard from him again. I mean, never. utterly, utterly, utterly useless. For shame. Nothing. Nothing. So. Uh, so I went on online and I went, okay, well, that's fine. So I went online to cancel my order and I can't even begin to describe the process, but apparently I can't cancel the order. There's, and, and it's not because like, it's not because like you're not allowed to, or, or it, it doesn't work the way that this thing, I don't know if it's because it got delayed or whatever the case may be. Um, it's, it's not cancelable and it's not only not cancelable, I can't even get into that account. Like the, the whole, the whole thing is a complete mess. So the, the upside of this is that sometime in July, Mike is getting a Derek Jeezer hall of fame Jersey and yeah. he's got to figure out what to do with that. I mean, that's, yeah. he can't just throw it out. I mean, I spent good money on that Jersey. I he's, can't. No, you want to bet? No. <laughs> no, no, you're going to have to sign it and, and, and put it up for charity, something you can't just throw out that Jersey. I spent all that money on that Jersey. You got to do it. I think I've told this story before, but, um, my down the street neighbor, uh, is Max Greenfield, who, uh, was on new girl, played Schmidt on new girl. Wonderful guy. He, uh, is, a, is from New York. He's a Yankee fan. And when my son, my jerk son turned, <laughs> I think four or five, he bought as a joke birthday present for my jerk son, a copy of a, of like a hagiography of Derek Jeter. It was called like the captain or something. <laughs> and it had a picture of Jeter on the front and he wrote this card, which was really meant for me, which was like, now you can read about the, you know, the greatest leader who ever played the game and knew blah, 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 blah. And uh, they were over at our house uh, and uh, William unwrapped it and saw what it was and was like just getting into baseball, I think, and was like, oh, cool. And I my like my steam came out of my ears and I said, hey, Max, come here for a second. And I took the book and I walked outside with him and walked around the corner of my house and went to the trash can and opened the trash can (laughs) and threw the book in the trash can and and that and like closed the lid. And it was one of the it's like maybe the hardest I've ever seen him laugh. It was it was a, exactly the right move. So the point is, I have thought about like I I think I I said this. Um, my friend John Berman, who is a, a, a news guy on uh, on CNN, he uh, he interviewed me about this fundraiser. He's also a Red Sox fan, and um, while talking to him, I I had the idea that one thing to do with this jersey, which is still uh, stinking up my house, would be to get like every every Red Sox fan I know to sign it and then auction that off because I'm sure that somewhere there's some perverted, demented Yankee fan (laughs) who would love to own a Derek Jeter Jersey signed by, you know, me and I guess John and, and, you know, Bill Simmons also lives in my neighborhood. I could probably get him to sign it. And I think Seth would sign it. He's a Red Sox fan. So if we got like 10 Red Sox fans to sign a Derek Jeter Jersey, don't you think there's some like 
incredibly twisted and unpleasant Yankee fan who would like to own that object and might buy it and we could give the money to charity, maybe? Or, yes. S- yes. or some or some demented Red Sox fan who wants to burn it in effigy. There you go. That could you also know? work. Yeah, it yeah. Could, it, could, it could work under that. And what would make you guys happier than that happening, by the way? Well, I think at that point, you're signing it over to the fates. You're saying, like, we're going to do this. We're going to create a weird, art, uh, 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 you know, artifact of, uh, that shouldn't exist. And, and, and the point of it would be, would be to raise money for the charity. And then after that, you know, it's, not a, it's out of my hands in terms of what the person does with it, who buys it. Do you guys know the, the, the famous story of Mike Royko, uh, the old Chicago uh, uh, Tribune and, and sometimes columnist who uh, – when he got uh, a copy of Keith Hernandez's book when Keith Hernandez was with the Mets and he wrote a review and the review led with, um, I don't remember what the book was called, but this book is a very solid book. I know because I threw it against the wall several times and it didn't come apart. (laughs) I'm thinking that's, that's pretty much what, what you could do. If it is the captain, then it was written by my friend Ian O'Connor. So Ian will be very happy to hear that uh, the book was was treated with the respect uh, that uh, that you you found. I mean, for he got the royalty, right? That's all. That's all that really matters. <laughs> that's exactly yep. right. That's how Absolutely. I feel. Absolutely. Linda what can you- attest to that. She's an author. Yeah. Burn <laughs> it if you want. Don't care. <laughs> Is that true, Linda? Though, I mean, do you if somebody buys your book and then like never reads it, doesn't that hurt you a little bit? Considering how many books I own that I've never read, I would have to say no. Because yeah, the answer is no. I will, I will no. tell you, like, nothing, nothing will teach you not to take it personally when other people don't get around to reading your book who you know <laughs> and like. Like the fact that you constantly get other people's, like, oh, this, is, this actually leads me to, here's an example. Yes. I enjoy listening to the podcast. I listen to the podcast even when I'm not on it very often but not always which is how it happened this week and joe knows this already <laughs> it happened this week so like two weeks ago i did this book event around this really wonderful book called the hilarious world of depression which is john moe who um has talked to a bunch of like comedy people but also other people on a podcast of the same name about depression and mental health and he at some point had befriended uh sean doolittle so when uh, when when John asked me to do a virtual book event with him, uh, he said, oh, you know, and also Sean Doolittle will be there from the Washington Nationals. And I was like, this is really interesting because uh, I this is the second Major League Baseball pitcher I'm going to have a chance to chat up uh, since I wrote a book about a Major League Baseball player. And neither of them have anything to do with the book. But um, <laughs> so I, I I did this event. I super liked Sean. He's such a smart dude. He's such a like, just like generous, funny um, person. My sister, who's a huge Nationals fan, was like, oh, I love him. I love him on Twitter. I love his wife on Twitter. And so um, I had this great experience talking to like John and Sean um, about all this other stuff, all this different stuff about like pitchers and um, stress and uh, quote unquote mental skills coaches. (laughs) <laughs> which are psychologists that are relabeled to make it more likely that people will reach out to them. Um, and so I said to Joe this week, like I sent him a DM and I was like, Joe, you would be natural allies with Sean Doolittle. And if he's never been on the podcast, you should have him on the podcast. And then it turned out he was on the podcast, like, th- you know, three, four weeks ago, probably. Um, and I felt like a real dummy 
Uh, no, it, no. Was, it was quite embarrassing. But I realized when I went and looked it up, I was like, oh, he was on with Brandon and they were talking about baseball. And it was at a time when I was like, I can't like I can't listen to a conversation about baseball because it'll just make me sad. Um, but, yeah, it's always that moment when you reveal that you haven't seen or, or read everything. And so, therefore, when people say to me, oh, my God, I still haven't read the book. I'm like, I don't care. You know why? Because <laughs> I think you're going to like it when you get to it. And also... I have not read close to the books of everyone I know. So, uh, so yeah, I don't really, I don't really mind. Obviously, if you say I bought it, I burned it, I'm never going to read it. And it comes off like aggressive, then yes, Ooh. I guess that would bother me. But who would do that? Who would buy it, burn it and say, tell you personally, they were never going to read it. It doesn't, it doesn't really happen. The, I no. will tell you the most. Well, pun, the, I don't know. Most... I'm, if I, if I see Ian O'Connor, I'm going to tell him I threw his book in the garbage. Like That's true. That's true. That's a little different, but no, the ones that are really devastating are that we're like, I'll see the book. I'll see like a picture of the book and the hashtag for the book go by on Instagram and it'll have a thing under it. That's like, eh, <laughs> oh, I know. I'll just be like staying up all night like oh <laughs> I feel so bad Mike do you, uh, do you do you get hurt by criticisms do criticisms hurt you or do you not care about them anymore no they do and that's why um, I decided years and years and years ago to not read them anymore yeah. and I and I know that um, a lot of people say that they don't read reviews um, and that they don't read criticism but I I I really don't. And th I, th I have actually a story about why I don't, which I'll tell you. Um, I So during Parks and Recreation, um, I was like addicted to it, which I think is, you know, understandable. It, Parks and Recreation kind of coincided in the years it was on, which is like 2009 to 2015, right in there, with this kind of explosion of the kinds of things that that um, Alan and Linda do for a living, which is like sure. not just reviewing like the first episode of a year of a TV show or whatever, but reviewing every episode. So every time an episode aired, you could read, you know, dozens and dozens of people mm -hmm. uh, giving their thoughts and recapping and whatever. So, you know, we were um, we were right in that zone. And I you know, by that, by this point, this, so this is like season, I don't know, I'm going to say it's season four or five. And we did an episode, it was a, a, a holiday themed episode um, that I really just loved. And I, uh, it was an episode where Ron Swanson um, makes, has made a chair um, in his woodworking shop and he has been nominated for an award yeah. for the chair. And Lucy Lawless was in it playing Diane, his his girlfriend, and Megan Mullally was in it playing uh, Tammy too, his um, maniacal ex wife. <laughs> and there was a there was another story where where Jerry Gary Larry had a Christmas party, and um, the the rest of the crew thought that they hadn't been invited, but then they realized and they were angry, and then they realized that they they had been invited. They just sent all of Jerry Larry Gary's emails right to spam, <laughs> so they had missed the invitation. And and it was it was one of those episodes where like. Um, like in the conception of it was so fun and the breaking of it with the room is so fun. And then this read through went incredibly well. And it had all of this that every, just, it just felt like everything was clicking and we shot it. Dan Gore directed it, I believe. And, um, it was his first time directing and he did an awesome job. 
and the first cut of it I loved and every second of it, the, of the editing I thought was great. And I just got to the point where I was like, this is like, I don't, you never know anything really uh, in TV, but I was like, if I know anything, this is great. This is just a great episode of this show. And so it aired and I read, I consumed voraciously every uh, thing that everybody wrote about it. And it was all great. Everybody said the same thing. It was like, this was great. This was funny. This was wonderful. I love this. This was touching. This was whatever. And I just kept reading them, reading, 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 reading. And I got to like the end of the list of the people who wrote about the show. And in my memory, at least, every single one of them had given it a very, very glowing, positive review. And then after that was over, I realized like it still didn't it's still, I just still didn't feel good. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? Like there's, I was like, yeah. I, it, it didn't fill whatever the, the weird psychological hole is that you have that needs that kind of acclaim. And I think this is also true. You're both writers. You can, you can attest to this. One even middling review or negative comment will undo the work of 10,000 positive. Oh my God, of course. Of and, course. And, and I've talked to stand-ups about this too. It's interesting. Stand-ups will often say that when they're performing, the one person in the crowd who isn't laughing is all they can think about, even yeah. if everyone else is laughing. And right. so so I got to the end of that like roster of, of reviewers and I realized that it didn't, I still wasn't like happy or something. I still wasn't sated. And I just thought, well, that means I shouldn't do this anymore. Like if yeah. like if I've gone through this experience where I made something I believe in, and I think is really good at every stage. And then I get to the end and everybody agrees with me and it still isn't a feeling of satisfaction. Then I, I oughtn't read these reviews anymore. And I basically stopped at, at that moment. Yeah. I kind of stopped. And that doesn't mean there haven't been moments. I've been genuinely curious what certain people have had to say about certain things I've written or worked on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and i so i'll i'll pick my spots kind of and I'll, I'll i'll wait for something like for example in the season one finale of the good place which had this giant twist that we had been building we had rested the entire show on the giant twist sure i i was like i can't not know and so i i went back and i read a lot of what people had to say about it um and and i did the same thing at, in the finale of the the actual series finale of the good place i did that too so well so i'm not i'm not immune to this like i still there are still moments when i kind of crave the understanding of how things have been received but on a day-to-day week-to-week month-to-month basis i just kind of stopped and i don't look at twitter hashtags and i don't i i and i know that by the way there's a risk in that too you know like part of the part a very important part of tv production is is a sort of conversation you're having with your audience where you're you're doing things and you're developing stories and you're you need to know a little bit I think how um how people are reacting because if not then you're really in a in a vacuum but I just found that the the kind of obsessive um like trolling for uh for feedback was was not helping and so I really kind of I shut it off to a down to a trickle and and that's where I've sort of stayed ever since yeah, and the, the interesting thing is that a, a good critic, in my opinion, a good critic is not writing for you anyway. Like, is like a good critic is not writing to give advice to the person making the show or the people making the show. It's kind of like, you can read it if you want, but I think, you know, it, it's, I remember one time at, at TCA, which Mike has been to, which is the, you know, big TV critics do all the press conferences for new shows. I remember hearing an actor sort of um, talk about a, a, a 
pretty full of himself actor kind of talking about like, <laughs> well, I'm sorry to say, I really don't take your advice. And it was like, it's not advice. Like it, it, when you write a, when you write criticism for me, when you write criticism, it should not matter to you with rare exceptions. And there are exceptions, but with rare exceptions, it doesn't really matter to me whether the people involved in the show ever read it. That's not the, that's not the purpose of it. That's not what it's for. And in fact, one of the things that becomes complicated, particularly about Twitter, particularly with people who are like very chatty on Twitter, like I am, um, is that if you get to know people a little bit on Twitter, like even through just like saying hello to them and you know, commenting on some random thing, then it's really hard not to have them in mind when you're writing about something that they worked on. And when I get to that point where like, I know this person well enough that I'm kind of, I have them in mind as a, as a person, like how they will feel about what I'm saying, then I kind of don't review their stuff anymore. Um, Cause it's too, you've kind of allowed yourself to like blur that line too much. Cause the, right. the, the audience for good criticism is the same audience as the audience for any other kind of writing, which is smart people who want to have a smart conversation about something. Right. Um, and the irony of all of this, of course, is that critics love Mike. Like this is, this is the, thing that's, <laughs> the thing that's so funny about this is that like I, I said one time while we were at TCA, like Mike is probably the most beloved person at TCA besides John Landgraf, who runs uh, FX. Um, but other than that, like critics love Mike. So it has nothing to do with like, it would be, at least with at least with the the professional writers that I know, That's it's not like it know. wouldn't. It's not like it wouldn't be fun. Like it would be fun to read how much people love Mike. But I <laughs> but I also think it's smart not to do it because I agree. Like the one thing that's negative will weigh uh, will outweigh all the positive stuff. And out of all the advice people gave me when the book was published, um, the piece that I really followed the most was don't don't read Goodreads. Like it's yeah. not, it's not yeah. for you. It's not for you. It's for readers to talk to each other and it just doesn't, it's not going to benefit you. Well, there's this other weird um, aspect of this. Uh, and by the way, I love that this episode of the sports themed podcast. Yeah, we're, we're not, we're, there, will, there, will be no, there will be no sports talk on this podcast. <laughs> but um, the, the, there's a, there's a sort of second level to this, which is exactly what you're talking about, Linda, which is, for example, you're a guest on this podcast right now. And there is a weird blurring of lines with people like for me, at least, and I'm sure for you, with people like you and Alan and um, and other critics who I've just sort of gotten to know over the years through being right. interviewed and then occasionally like hanging out or seeing you at TCA. And so there's this there is like a weird thing where like your your friends also have a professional obligation to weigh in on things that you make. Right. And then it gets dicey. Right. And so I don't I. I think that part of it for me is like by not really um, relying on people's reactions to things that I make, I'm also kind of letting myself and them off the hook a little bit because I right. want you to, obviously right. I want you and Alan and any other critic I know to write honestly about whatever it is that you feel about whatever it is that I've made. And I don't want, I wouldn't want anyone to pull a punch or to, or to dissemble or whatever. And you know, I, the 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 rise of the sort of critical approach to television that coincided with just the rise and broadening of the television landscape led to this kind of wonderful phenomenon, which is suddenly there were a ton of people writing about TV, the medium I work in, incredibly intelligently and really expertly in a way that there hadn't been before. People were analyzing TV at a much higher level 
than they used to. And I really like that. And I have now, I, I'm happy to make this trade, frankly, because for example, fairly recently, I mean, we won't say what the show is, but I reached out to Linda and Alan on uh, via text and said, hey, talk to me about this show I just watched because I just watched it and I want to hear what you have to say about it. And that is, that's much more important to me is listening to, to people whose writing I admire, who analyze uh, intelligently this thing that I, this medium that I work in, I would so much rather like not read what they have to say about me and be able to talk to them about other things. Like I, uh, Alan years ago convinced me to watch Breaking Bad. I hadn't watched Breaking Bad. Yeah. I was, and it was like three seasons in and I was like, I don't know. And he was like, trust me, trust me, trust me. So I started watching it. And after the first season, I, I, I think I emailed him and was like, I don't know, man, like I kind of can't get on board with this show. It's obviously well made and it's well uh, con- conceived of and executed and, and Cranston is amazing and everybody's great. But like you're asking me to sympathize with this monster, this awful person and find the sort of humanity in him. And I don't find it anymore. Like he's lo- even by the end of season one, he's long past the point where this idea that he's being motivated by his kid or his family or anything is, is like, no, he's not. Uh And and like, that's crazy. And I just can't, I can't kind of get, I can't go on this ride with him. And Alan's response was, no, that's the whole point. He is a monster. There was a monster inside him that has been dying to get out that he had been suppressing. And once you turn yourself over to the idea, once you forget about the kind of classic TV idea that you're supposed to sympathize or empathize with the main character, like get rid of that. That's not the point of the show. The point of the show is he was always this guy. He was always this monster. And he found a way, the monster found a way to get out. And as soon as he reframed it like that for me, I was like, okay, now I understand. Like my brain, my writer brain, my TV writer brain had been trained to try to find the way that the writers were create, were maintaining his essential humanity and empathy. And once I let, once I was allowed to let go of that, I, then it became, you know, one of my five favorite shows of all time. And so that, like that reframing from an outsider, from a critical point of view of how to watch a show, like really did a wonderful thing for me. It helped me enjoy this incredible TV show that I might, I might've given up on it. So I like the, the, the kind of rise of, um, of, of really high level critical approaches to TV shows from critics has, has been a real wonderful thing for me and for everyone else. And I, and I, and I am happy to make the trade where I no longer uh, actively engage in what they're saying about my work so that I can better engage in their work about other people. Right. And it's, it's funny because like I, of course, when I was first writing about TV, I was doing it at uh, television without pity, which was um, like a, a much more kind of like, it's not a, it, it wasn't a sort of like a, um, a same night turnaround, a summary of what happened and a capsule review, which is kind of what a lot of episode responses are now. It was these long, like, you know, you basically had until the next episode of the show to get the thing posted and written. So I would write these like 16 page dissertations about episodes of survivor and stuff like that. And it was like a really (laughs) fun, it was a really fun, but very kind of odd. And I think like rarely duplicated kind of strange setting, but this was, I started working for them in 2001 
Um, I wrote my first TV recap was published on, I think, September 7th, 2001. So uh, I I chose a great moment to get into uh, (laughs) comedic writing about television. But um, one of the things that's funny is that at that time, we were still surprised any time, like if you weren't an official TV critic who write, wrote for like a newspaper, you did not expect that anybody at, at first was reading them who would have anything to do with the show. So like when they would find out, like when we found out that like Aaron Sorkin was reading the West Wing recaps, which we found <laughs> out partly because he wrote an episode about the- it. Yeah, an episode about how much you hated us, um, which, which, like, the, and of course, that moment was like. On the one hand, it's like, oh, this is you know, how dare he refer to us as you know, women with parliaments and parliaments or whatever it was. And on the other hand, it was like, oh, we've arrived. You know what I mean? But at the beginning, that the idea of those lines being blurred, like there was a whole "My name is Earl." subplot thing that like they they set up the joke on our forums it's like a really complicated complicated story like they put somebody in our forums saying i have this fear of being closed up in a murphy bed and then later on the show much later on the show somebody got closed up in a murphy bed and said on the show that they had written about it on the internet this fear of it was it was worked out and the, the fact that that stuff would happen and those lines would blur at the beginning was completely surprising to us. Not to mention the fact that I started getting emails from like reality television contestants, which now everyone expects that reality show, reality show contestants read everything that everyone writes about them. But at that time, you know, at that time we didn't. So Well, I'll also tell you, I'll tell you what was happening there too, at least from my point of view, is, you know, there, was, there used to be exactly two ways to understand how people were receiving your TV show. One way was the ratings, right? If the ratings went up, right. then you were doing a good job. And if they went down, you were doing a bad job. And then the other way was critics would review your pilot or your pilot. premiere. Um, and that was it. And so then, so around that time, everyone started DVRing everything or TiVoing at the time. Mm-hmm. And so, and and there was a real feeling that like ratings weren't a good measurement anymore. Like you, you, you were not getting an accurate snapshot of how many people were watching your show based on the ratings. And so when the, when critics started to write more about more than just the premiere, when they started to write every episode, it filled a void in, in the, in writers and producers and actors and stuff, which was like, we, this is the only way we know what people think. Like there's, they're now the ratings aren't telling us anything because they're ever like linear TV ratings were just like on this steep decline, this like death spiral that they've never pulled out of. And and now um, suddenly we had people talking about the show every week. And my wife at the time was working. She was my girlfriend uh, in this at the beginning of this, but she was working on the OC and the OC was like oh, message yeah. board of heaven. The OC yeah, was like, yeah, yeah. you know, and and. Everyone in that writer's room and all the actors, I think, although I, I shouldn't say that, I don't know about the actors, but definitely everybody in the writer's room, they read every comment because <laughs> it was this like gigantic cultural phenomenon. And the and the only way that they had to sort of like truly, you know, dive in was through TV without pity or, or you know, people recapping the show or whatever. So like 
they became like they knew the names of commenters on television yeah, about pity. Yeah, like there yeah, were specific yeah. and there were people who like hated Johnny or they loved Marissa or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like they knew their names and they would talk about their names. And they the the comments were always like my I would talk to my wife about this and just think like, God, if the people who are writing this stuff had any idea of the actual like power that they have <laughs> over the over Hollywood like it was re- it was real it was because it, it was new and it and it happened instantly it was basically a precursor to Twitter because an episode would right. air and almost in real time these comments would go up and you'd have page after page after page of comments um there was a really primitive message board before television that pity that was recapping SNL episodes when I was on oh, SNL yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. people would people would go like sketch by sketch and give them letter grades and like we would all sit around in the offices and go like oh we hey, got a b plus from this random person you know and and none of us it wasn't like you know intellectually you could say to yourself well this is silly like we don't even know who these are you know well there was one really funny moment where because it's all you know in the early days of the internet and still today much of it is anonymous you don't know who the people are you don't right, know anything right. about them but there was one there was one moment that was really funny, which was we had been we had all been like really carefully following this SNL message board. And then there was some some event happened on the show on SNL that I don't exactly remember either. It was a uh, like a Korean pop star was on or there was a sketch about a Korean pop star or something. I can't remember. Or it, maybe it was a weekend update joke about Korea or something. And this thread started on one of these message boards. It was like that really offended me. I'm. I'm Korean and uh, and I was offended by that. And then another person chimed in and was like, I'm also Korean and that didn't offend me at all. And then another person was like, I am Korean as well. And that really offended me. And suddenly we're like, oh, this message board is like 70% Koreans. And that's it was sort of like neither here nor there. It didn't really right. affect anything, but right. it just, it blew all of our minds that like, oh, right. This is like that we have, we know nothing about anything. Like we'd have no idea literally right. even where, where they're posting from, what their ethnicities are, how old they are. A shocking number of them were 13 at the time, which <laughs> uh-huh. we should have guessed because that's who watches SNL, right? It's 13 year olds. Um, but it, it was just like an early, it was an early indication of like how little you truly know about the people who are weighing in. And again, to bring us full circle, like that's why it's probably not wise or healthy to put a ton of stock into the random commenters because you just don't know who they are, where they're coming from, what their what their lives are. Like, do, are they a representative sample of your whole audience? Probably not. You know, so it, it was just this very confusing time. It's gotten a little less confusing, but at, but in those early days, it was a really confusing time because you craved the feedback but you also were getting it from from just it was like you were walking down a hallway and people were just shouting at things to you from through closed doors (laughs) very much like that very much like that and it's it's funny that you mentioned how like it was always just like reviewing the pilot and stuff like that because that is absolutely like the way even when I started at NPR which was like 2008 ish um you would still get like they would send you pilots for the fall shows and you would do a lot of writing off of just like what looks promising and now i'm at the point where very often um cable networks and streaming services will send you the whole um the whole season of a thing which of course now is like 10 episodes instead of 25 but like right they'll send you the whole season and now Whereas I used to be okay with like, I'll just write about whether this seems promising based on the pilot. Now I get, if they send me like, there's a thing right now where they're sending you like eight out of 10 and it's like, no, 
because <laughs> now I'm trying to review it as a season, but I don't know whether you finished it well. And so it's like you're in this terrible no person's land where it's like, well, I'm not writing about it like I would just write about does it have promise based on a pilot. And I can't review it as a season because I don't know whether I don't know how you, you know, I don't know whether you landed it. So right. now what am I writing? What is a review of eight out of 10 episodes of something <laughs> like that's that is the weirdest and I say that as somebody who has never bought into the whole, like, I didn't like the finale of this show, so give me back my seven years of my life. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> but I still feel like if you messed up the last two episodes, I don't know what I'm writing. Right. Like, it would change. It would change the way that you thought about the whole season. Yeah. Yeah. It's we're all still we're all still adjusting. It's all still, you know, and once again, you know, B plus to be even thinking about any of this. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it's all still it's all still ongoing. Uh, I really enjoyed, by the way, the first eight episodes of the Anna Kendrick HBO Max uh, series, Love Life. But they only send me eight out of ten. <laughs> all right, there you go. This, so this, um, this so podcast guys, is about sports, right? Yeah, how, how about those Mets? <laughs> how about the Mets? Um, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to uh, just read the uh, mid roll ad uh, that I'm do supposed it. to do here. I'm going to do, do it. it. Watch this. All right, you guys want to help out at any point? Feel free to jump in. Did you know that 75% of us are walking around everyday life chronically dehydrated? <laughs> well, did you? Well, well, did you? I mean, I mean, okay. We are suffering needlessly from frequent headaches, energy slumps, and poor focus. It doesn't have to be this way. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Quiz, what are those four essential electrolytes? Uh, salt. Okay, sodium, right, right. right um, vitamin B12. No. Uh, sodium. Chocolate. Potassium. Chocolate. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, two, uh, we have two. We have sodium, we have potassium. I mean, magnesium is the obvious one. I, uh -huh. I, I can't, you know, come on. And then zinc, everybody misses zinc. Uh, help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. Hydrant, uh, backed by research, the formula was developed by Oxford scientists. That's what they've been working on until uh, they started trying to get like a vaccine. Um, <laughs> there is no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, so you can choose between three different flavors on a variety pack. That's not so, that's and. The vegan part is separate. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com slash POS. Pause. That's drinkhydrant.com slash POS for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com slash POS. I'm glad to hear that it's um, vegan because I've been working on a pork-based hydrant. <laughs> Years how, how is that going? How is that going? I would say it's not not well. I would say okay. not well. It's uh, it doesn't taste good. It uh, it tastes like pork, and uh, and I don't think it's doing anything for my hydration. So I would go with that one. I would go with the vegan one instead of mine. The, the vegan one. You know, they sent a, they sent me a bag of uh, a packet of of uh, hydrant uh, little things, and and uh, yeah, it's good. I mean, it's, you know, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to add to that. I mean, like they said, oh, please feel free to add a personal experience. But it's really you just put this powder in your drink and stir it and it makes it 
I guess more it give it helps your hydration. So, all right, thank you, Oxford scientists. <laughs> Well, this Thank is you. The, the pork one that Mike has been working on, the problem with it is you put it in your water bottle and then you put it in the fridge and then the fat rises to the top. Oh, and you have yeah. To yeah. Yeah. It yeah. We you can drink your water. Thank right. you, Linda. We needed to make that a little more disgusting. So that's, I think. <laughs> so um... I also have to sell with with the packets, I have to sell a strainer so that yes. after, so that you can strain out the pork chunks that are yes. in the hydrant. And then and then I have to sell also include disposable bags you can pour the pork chucks into the bags and then right. dispose of those properly so compostable hopefully yeah they're com- they are compostable but that also added a cost so the hydrant is like a dollar a pack for a third day supply my system my pork based system is uh, <laughs> is 640 dollars a day uh, all, all in so i need to bring those costs down before i think i can hit the market market i think you ought to bring those costs down yeah that'll teach hydrant for trying to advertise on this thing that i, I think that <laughs> i think that lesson is 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 clear and, and cut all right i want to talk for one second about sports since we do pretend to be a sports podcast because that'll be the only sports that we're going to get linda you talked about being super sad about baseball not being around like we all are have you guys noticed like in the last like couple of weeks, especially as all the talk has been going on about maybe some sports coming back, maybe not, it all feels so weird and 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 uh and sort of unrealistic in some ways, but then on the other hand, it looks like they're gonna go through with it anyway. Sort of what do you feel like right now, like at this particular moment in this crisis, is your relationship to sports? Hmm. That's a good Linda? question. I, I I feel like I will be really happy when it comes back, but sure. I'll also be really happy when I can visit with my friends again. And I'm not yeah. gonna I'm not gonna rush that until it feels safe. So, you know, my feeling is like I miss it, but I don't miss it in the way that's like I don't miss it to the point where I would really be into any significant level of risk for anybody in order for me to particularly like for me to be able to watch it on tv like that just seems that just seems strange so i'm getting by with uh with sports documentaries as i think a lot of us are yeah yeah mike yeah i'm sort of in the same boat i i still um am skeptical that there's a system that will work i i just for any of these sports i mean i I so desperately right now more than baseball I I miss the NBA because this time of year I associate with the NBA finals and or or at least semifinals and I'm finding that um that like my when I think about like what would be fun to watch right now I mean it's always fun to watch you know a, a Blue Jays Orioles game in in, in mid May <laughs> but the thing I find myself craving is the NBA is the NBA playoffs and when you really um, put yourself through the paces of trying to figure out how it might work in a way that didn't make you worried. It's like right now, if you watch a movie that came out 20 years ago and there's a big uh, crowd scene, you're like, get away from each other. What are you doing? You're too close. (laughs) And so the idea of watching something in real time where people are banging into each other or standing close to each other or high-fiving each other or whatever uh, it, I just am so skeptical that there's any way that it wouldn't feel like a bad idea. And, you know, I know that, the, you know, there's all these problems with the union and the owners. There's all these problems with, you know, logistics. There's problems with crowds. You can't have crowds. 
Um, you know, the, I don't know if any of you have watched any Bundesliga soccer. I have. Um, they yep. have like cardboard cutouts of people in the crowd. <laughs> and in the wide shot, it's kind of great. Like it kind of, you kind of tricks your brain because um, it's kind of going by in a blur and they're piping in some crowd noise and whatever. Um, but when there's close-ups, you're like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. This is so, this is so dystopian and, and running man-ish and, and bizarre. So I like my, my like craving of sports and live sports is, is more than tempered by a, a gut level feeling that there's just no way to do it in a way that will be, that will feel okay. And, and I would imagine there's a large number of sports fans who don't care who would be, who would be like, yay, sports are back. Uh, and I get it, but I also just don't think that it's going to provide me personally with the kind of distraction and comfort that it normally provides me with, right. because I'm going to right. be just constantly worried about what happens if any of these guys test positive. So that's um, been the weird thing the for thing. me. I mean, that's been the weird thing for me is, is that the, the small amounts of sports that have, that have come in, uh, you know, like with the, with the weird Tom Brady, Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods golf thing, or the, you know, as I ranted uh, for a very, very long time about last week, the last dance, documentary uh nascar trying none of that has moved me at all i mean i'm entirely unmotivated to see any of those things and 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 i mean i see a lot of people that are super excited about it and i i think that's great i I just uh, to me like half measures of sports just doesn't it just doesn't feel satisfying and and maybe it's partly because like what you said, Linda, I mean, it's like, I want to see my friends. I want to, I mean, there's so many other things that I want to do um, that sports sort of feels, you know, it's, it's super important in my life. And obviously it's what I do for a living and, and, and all of that. And I, you know, the, the sooner they come back, obviously the, the more there's going to be to do for me, but I don't know. I just find myself not like the, 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 the little half stabs that, that people are trying I've not been able to get into watching Korean baseball. I've not been able to get into watching, you know, I didn't watch that Tiger Woods golf thing. I just, it's almost like, I I don't know. It's like, I want it to be, I want it to be real again, you know, and, and, and it doesn't feel real to me at all. I have a, a, um, a scary sort of nightmare scenario that, that I can't avoid, which is, you know, America is, America is so into symbolism and um and we're so into like uh you know just sort of like events and i just can't i can't stop thinking about a scenario where everybody decides that it doesn't really matter what's going on but on july 4th weekend everything is coming back like i yeah. just can't can't yeah. you just picture that like i'm i'm a hundred percent sure that base but major league baseball right now is like July 4th, July 4th, July 4th. Like that's what it is. It's, it's flyovers and big American flags and fireworks and uh, cheering crowds at some level or something. And it's just, that's, that's what we need. We need, we need July 4th. We need July 4th. And I just don't think uh, like it's, it's like the exact, if, if that is in fact what's happening, it would be the exact wrong way to go about it. Right. Because the only way that, that we do feel safe and w- the way that it feels real is if it's done in accordance with basic understanding of this virus and the safety protocols that need to be put in place in order to navigate it. And so uh, I just, I can't, 
it's like it when when Trump was like um, Easter Sunday, Easter Sunday, everybody goes back to church right. on Easter Sunday, and then right. that was thankfully uh, you know impossible. But I I just feel that coming. I think that they probably at some point were like Memorial Day, we'll be back on Memorial Day, and then right. that couldn't work, and now they're like July Fourth, we'll be back on July Fourth. You know, I, I that's my fear. My fear is that yeah. we're they're gonna they're gonna kind of like for the sake of you know a combination of pure unfettered commerce and a feeling of responsibility to to buoy the national mood they're going to try to force this stuff back on july 4th weekend or before and that is the wrong way that would be i'm 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 yelling at them for something they haven't done yet i understand <laughs> right. that right. but i just feel like that's what's going to happen well i you know i mean i i believe that uh as well to the point where you know i am doing now a another series for the athletic where I'm counting down the 60 greatest moments uh, in baseball history as seen through my warped view. And it, it is, I scheduled it so that it ends on July 4th. Cause I felt like, you know what, baseball is going to come back on July yeah. 4th, one way or yeah. another, they're just going to do it. They're going to push forward. You can feel the desperation. I mean, you know, and, and not, I don't think it is just for money. Although, I mean, clearly there is a, there's a huge, huge money issue uh, that I don't think people are talking about, which is all these owners in incredible debt. Players, no matter how much money they make, they they spend it. So they, you know, everybody needs to get back. There's a real desperation for a lot of them, not for everybody, but for a lot of people. And secondly, I think you're right. I mean, I think there's just this also this, we just have to get back to normal. I don't care if it's safe. I don't care if it's, you know, we just have to, do that, which obviously is is driving a lot of different things in our country. I I really believe that baseball, you know, and and obviously a lot of things can change, but I I think that's a really scary but very realistic scenario that that one way or another everybody is going to try to get going again by July fourth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I made this comment on Twitter as well, so I I apologize to everyone who's already heard it, but you know, it <laughs> it, it reminds me a little bit of like the old. Uh, the thing that is constantly attributed to Lauren Michaels about like the show doesn't go on because it's ready. It goes on because it's 1130. Yeah. That's how I feel about all this. Like, well, you know, it's been long enough. So you just have to just, Oh, well it's time. So we'll just see what happens. And it's like, yeah, but the worst case scenario for SNL not being ready is considerably less dangerous than the worst case scenario of you know it it not being a safe time to start baseball or whatever well as someone who who worked at snl and had a number of sketches bomb really hard i have to disagree with you uh it is i I would say it's it's just as bad to create a truly awful sketch on snl to to suffer the results of a global pandemic You see my point, though. You it's, see it's my a point. Tie. No, it's a tie. I think that that's. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. All right. Let's go on to our draft. But before that, guess what, guys? Another ad. Are you ready? Are you ready for this one? Is this one going to be interactive? Or are you going to be asking us to weigh in? This is interactive because not. It, it, I don't know if you you heard that at the beginning. There's no actual script to this. There's just thought points. So I'm okay. just going to read through these thought and, points. Uh, yeah. It says right there <laughs> thought starters and then uh, many points to hit main points to hit 
other points to include and how it works. So this is going to be very exciting. Thought points uh, sounds like, first of all, it sounds like the it's one word, but the P is capitalized and it yes, has, that's and right. it has, and it has a, a trademark symbol after it. And also <laughs> it was first used in the book 1984 by George Orwell. <laughs> I like it. Or it sounds like a, um, uh, you know, the guys who do the podcasts that are like passive income, you know, like it sounds like it would be the title of their like yeah. pamphlet right. would be Thought Points. Thought, Thought points. points with Jim, what's his name, who runs <laughs> Passive Income for Your Future. It's also like, it's Thought also points. like at like, um, at like Raytheon or some like really scary company, <laughs> like every time they do a, a PowerPoint presentation in their like annual shareholders meeting or whatever, like the first slide is Thought Points. And then there's like four colored cubes with right. different words written in them. <laughs> About how and, they're going to, you know, take over the weapons building business. Right. And, and in the lead up to that, there were like six different people who had private conversations in the hallways. Like, should we tell them that thought point sounds really stupid? And then everyone says, like, nope. No, see, nope. I disagree. I don't think that's, it, this is a cult, right? So the, the, what's happening is like um, uh, Carol, uh, VP of, uh, of merchandise and accounting is going down to Jim's office and going, where are your thought points? You're late on your thought points. And he's like, I'm working on them. I'm working on them. You know, like, and she's like, you know how this works? Six thought points a week. Like I need your thought points because the presentation is tomorrow. And he's like, and then, and then Jim goes home and he's talking to his wife and he's like, there's so much pressure on me to come up with these thought points. Like it's, it's out of control. And then she's like, honey, this job is terrible. Don't work at this company anymore. And he's like, no, it's a good job. I just, they're just really into these thought points and I have to work on them. And so he, then Jim stays up until like two in the morning with like a yellow legal pad, just furiously scribbling thought points thought down points, right? so that he doesn't get in trouble with Carol, his boss. And then the next morning he comes in and he reads his thought points to Carol and she's like, good work on those thought points. And he's like, oh, phew, like I survived. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then at the every year at the annual employee summer celebration, which is like used to be a barbecue, but that was a little bit too, um, that was a little bit too like out of Personal. control. So now they yeah. do it in, now they do it inside. Right. Sure. Um, and so they have the big, the, the annual employee uh, celebration. They just, they get up there and they say, what are we going to do? And all the employees stand up and put their hands in the air and say, <laughs> thought points. And they say, what's going to take us into the future? Thought points. <laughs> and then like, and then Bobby, Bobby from, uh, from R&D comes by Jim's office and he's like, hey man, killer thought points this week. Love, <laughs> love your thought points. You really nailed those thought points. <laughs> Well, Jim has three trophies for being Thought Points 2018, Thought Points 2017 yeah. champion. Yeah. <laughs> but this year, Carol's Thought Points have been so good. He's worried. That's part of right. the reason he's worried. Well, and you know what happened? Like you know what happened? And this is kind of a scandal. Uh, it's Carol saw the yellow legal pad that Jim had writing all his Thought Points right. down on, and she stole she stole some of his Thought Points. And well, then she the put... She, she presented them as her own and everyone was like, Carol really anymore. nailed it. Yeah. And now, and Jim is like, Carol, those are my thought points. And she's like, what are you going to do? Like, go ahead. You want to like, do you know how powerful I am in this company? Like, go ahead, try it. It's your word against mine. And so now Jim goes home and his wife is like, what happened? And he's like, Carol, Carol stole my thought points. And she presented them as her own. And she's like, that's it. We're leaving. And We're then leaving. Jim, Jim is like, Jim goes to Carol's boss, Greg, and is like, Greg, um, I'm resigning effective immediately. And Greg is like, Jim, you're one of our number one thought points creators. You can't resign. What is this about? Is this a contract ploy? What's going on? And he's like, no, I just don't feel like this is right for me. And Greg comes over and puts his arm around Jim and is like, buddy, it's me. You can talk to me. Like, tell me what's going on. And Jim is like, I can't tell you that there's just problems that, that, are, that are, I can't get past. 
And then Greg is like, if this is the journey you're on, then I, I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> right. And he accepts Jim's resignation and Jim and his wife. So he resigns and he gets like, uh, he gets a month severance and Jim and his wife go sailing. They've always sure. wanted to go sailing uh, around the, around the Cape Horn and they go sailing and they like rediscover their marriage and they like fall in love with each other all over again. And she's like, that place was just, it was sapping your will to live, you know? And he's like, you're totally right. I didn't see it at first, but this whole Carol thought point scandal really kind of put (laughs) things in perspective. And now honestly, and it's, it's a happy ending. The two of them are are better than they've ever been. And they're looking forward to the next like 40 years of, of their marriage. Well, but what's weird is Greg noticed that Carol's thought points went significantly down. Yes, absolutely. Of course it happened, yes. He has like 25 messages on his phone, on his cell phone, which he left behind so he could go sailing with his wife for a month. That's right. Comes back to just a bunch of them. They want him back, buddy. You got to come back. Our thought points have gone down. Right. We've realized that Carol's a fraud. They figured it out. And Carol's been fired. She Well, she resigned in shame. Greg called Carol into his office and was like, I know what you did. I know you stole Jim's thought points. And she's like, I'm so sorry, but you have to understand, you know, I was, I, I kept this division afloat for months and he's like, I don't care. Get out, pack your things. And so Greg, so uh, when Jim gets back from repairing his marriage with his wife, he's got those messages and Greg is like, we know what happened. Please come back. And so Jim moved back into his office. And when he walked in, this is, was so heartwarming standing ovation from the rest of the, from the rest of the division. They all, clapped, they all clapped and like, like Jerry Maguire, when Jerry Maguire had writ, wrote his memo and he sat down and I'll tell you what, honestly, in one day he wrote like 20 of the best thought points any of those people have ever seen. And, and Greg was just reading them in his office and just like nodding sagely. Like, yes, of course it was Jim that's, all along. It was Jim all along. It was Jim all along. That's the, that's the ultimate thought point. <laughs> <laughs> Do you- do you think the Hawthorne company is going to be happy that we just spent 10 minutes doing this thought points thing? They don't even have thought points on their actual ad. Look, Joe, Joe, we've said this before. The podcast isn't, isn't, hasn't achieved its full potential until we have systematically driven away anyone who, anyone who wants to advertise on this platform needs to be driven into the woods. And we have done that. All right, I'm going to read this uh, this Hawthorne ad, or at least the Thought Starters, which is what actually it's called. <laughs> well, first, you, first here, this is a little Thought Starter. So, so Mike, I mean, you know, Linda, feel free to, to dive in as well. Talk about your first experiences or funny experiences with cologne. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I'll give you a couple examples. Are you still wearing the polo blue from High School Girlfriend? Okay, that's one. Okay. Walking into Sephora to get cologne, being overwhelmed by all the choices. Yeah, that one's, I mean, who who can't relate to that? Uh, Or you wear Old Spice and girls think you smell like their dads. Mm. It's possible this is not for our age bracket. What do you think? I mean, is that uh, maybe? I don't know. What the hell is our age bracket? What are you talking about? I don't know. I don't really care if girls think I smell like their dads. I mean, I might be their dad. I mean, that's the only girls I see. I am their dad. So what do I care? All right. Main points to hit. Smelling good is important. Okay. Sure. Hawthorne smells really good. That's that's good. Problem. Solution. And getting Hawthorne cologne is so easy. Well, look at this. Here you go. Mention gifting for Father's Day, so it is a perfect gift for your dad. Although, didn't they just say they didn't want you to smell like dad? I, I don't. All right, I'm following this. 
Doesn't matter. I guess they're saying that they don't want you to smell like the old dad. It's a new dad they're talking about. So mention gifting for Father's Day. It is a perfect Father's Day gift. There's a quiz. Tell your listeners about taking the quiz. They have a quiz that you can uh, take that uh, asks you all sorts of questions about how you want to smell and and what kind of stuff like uh, you want in your cologne. Um, Do you have a significant other? Yes, I do. What do they think of your new scent? Well, I, I, I wouldn't know that. Right, here's how it works. You take a quick two-minute quiz, and Hawthorne tells you the two colognes that are best for you, one for work and one for play. Two different colognes. Okay. It's totally risk-free with free shipping and free returns. Check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. It's, that's Hawthorne with an E and .co. It's not .com. I have no idea why. I guess hawthorne.com must have been taken. Hawthorne.co, and you could use this promo code, POS, pause, to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co, and use my promo code, POS, to get 10% off your first purchase, Hawthorne.co. It really delights me that the thing that we didn't know we were making fun of is cologne. Like, in my <laughs> in my head, it was like, it was Raytheon, I think. It was like a weapons manufacturer, but it's, right, it's not. right. So now I want to redo the entire bit, but instead of <laughs> them working at Raytheon, they're working at a cologne and scent company. That's much funnier. That's it now, is funnier. Now Carol's machinations are like really, <laughs> really silly. If she's she was maneuvering to steal to steal Jim's thought points to, and that it, if Greg, if Greg's like frantic phone calls to a satellite phone to Jim as he was off the. <laughs> The ghost of Cape Horn, where like you have to get back to our cologne company. Now, now we're talking. Now we're now we've got some some comedy cooking. Oh, Hawthorne, you'll never make that mistake again. Hawthorne.co. All right, cologne. Do you do you use cologne there, Mike? I Are don't, you a cologne no. guy? No, I, I, I don't either. I don't. I don't we're just not. We're not the audience. I'm saying. I will say though, it in 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 Hawthorne.co's uh, defense though, I. That that is a very, if at least for someone my age, I'm 44. That's a very on the on the dot uh, detail that, like, when you were in high school, the cologne that someone gave you was Polo Blue. Like, I remember that very distinctly. Like, I do I, remember Polo Blue. That yeah. is a very very good point. Yeah, Linda, what what is your sort of general take on cologne? Well, I don't usually wear like actual cologne perfume, like specific things, but I have many, I have many wonderful smelling uh, lotions and potions and shampoos and things like that. So I'm definitely in favor of a, in favor of a, favor of a nice scent. (laughs) That should be the title of your next book. I'm in favor of a nice scent. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, It is time for our draft and uh, we are drafting. This is super easy to explain. We are drafting cereals. That's it. That is Linda's uh, contribution uh, to this thing. Uh, I couldn't believe you hadn't already done it, to be honest. I feel like we have, but it's whatever. We've been on, we've been doing this for thirty eight years. It's, yeah, I don't, no one, nobody actually, remembers. I don't okay remember. Okay, I, 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 I don't feel like we've drafted actual cereals, but I know we've had numerous cereals discussions, which we will now repeat because we have uh, <laughs> totally forgotten those. <laughs> Um, but Linda, you have the first pick. So there you go. We're drafting cereals. All right. So the way that I always get to in my own head in these drafts is that I'm always thinking about trying to put together a team. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, like, that will destroy the world. 
I'm always trying to think of a dominant team, which right. is how I wound up being mocked for my holiday draft in which I was trying to think of holiday characters that would beat all the other holiday characters. <laughs> in a so, war. Yeah, in a war. So I'm trying to just go very individual on cereals. Now, my, my difficulty was, am I thinking in terms of what cereal would I want every day or what cereal oh. would I want the most? <laughs> so I'm trying to split the difference. I'm glad you didn't overthink it this time, by the way. <laughs> it's true. Because because like you can go with like a very a very like um you know sugary childhood cereal, but sure. you wouldn't necessarily want that every day, even though it might be the best one. Uh so I'm trying to split the difference and I'm gonna go with the honey nut Cheerio. Ah, very good. Honey nut Cheerio. Still a Cheerio. It's sweet, right. but it's not as sweet. As some other things that I might pick later. Well, it's a good pick. That was that it was that was number that was number two on my board. Uh, wow! Well. Yeah, um, I like I like the balance. I like you balancing the the being an adult with being a child. You get a little bit of a mix there. I like that. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, it also it was uh, what Omar ate on the wire, which which <laughs> mm-hmm. is as like in terms of like the reflection of a cereal. In pop culture, that's as good as you can do. Like no one, you can't get better than Omar uh, right. eating what what Omar and, eats. If it's good enough I, for Omar, it's good enough for you. Exactly. And I wanted to go for something that had whole grain and a cartoon mascot. Well, the bee is great. Yeah. Right. The bee is the bee is delightful. So so I actually, how did the Honey Nut Cheerio like the Cheerios have been around forever? So. Like you want to talk about the person who came up with the honey nut Cheerio? Do you think that person was mocked at first? Do you think that like was like people were just like no, or do you think that person was celebrated and well, I think immediately they had got it, I, I, I think they probably came up with it on a company retreat where they were supposed to think of thought points. Um, <laughs> so, Maybe that was I, I do think I think the Cheerio is a fundamentally sound cereal, and I think what they were trying to do is exactly what they did do, which is create something that's a little bit a little bit more perhaps decadent and sweet than a Cheerio, but maintains a fundamental Cheerioosity. And at the time there was, to my memory, and I don't know for sure that this is right, but at the time there was really just the regular Cheerio and the Honey Nut Cheerio. Right. Uh, at some point they developed the Apple Cinnamon Cheerio, the Multigrain Cheerio. There's now, I think, a whole uh, a whole Cheerio line. There's an empire, as, as yeah. Went. Yeah, there's a whole... Yeah. Uh, there's what uh, there's what the Brits would call a range, uh, Cheerio range. Uh, but at the time, I think it was just a you know I think it was just a, a small tweak in favor of uh, too much added sugar. Yeah, it's it's a it was the perfect move for them because, like you said, Cheerios are are great. I love Cheerios. Cheerios are wonderful, but but Honey Nut Cheerios gives you <laughs> gives parents the feeling that their kids are eating something vaguely okay. And the, and the kids are getting this like basically like a, a, a bowl of corn syrup. It's a really, it's a great, um, it's like a, a willful ignorance. It creates willful ignorance uh, on the part of parents in, a, in the perfect way. And also they are delicious. They're just straight up delicious. They like, are delicious. Yeah. Yes. Can, All right. Yeah. All right, this very is by, quickly. This is by far the best that any draft pick I've ever made has gone over with. Oh yeah, no, no. This this is, this is your best pick you've ever made. This is, this is it. Right? This is by far um, the most by far the most positive Mike's ever been about anything I've ever drafted. All right. I told, All right very quickly, thumbs up, thumbs down. 
on these Honey Nut Cheerio taglines through the years. All right, okay. you ready? Ready. It's a honey of an O is, of course, the most famous. It's a honey of an O. Solid. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs Solid, up. Solid, right? Thumbs up. It's Honey Nut Cheerios. I guess that's just the second that's, part that's of it. That's the second part of it, yeah. Yeah. It's irresistible Boo. with like a bunch of Z's in it. Boo. No. That Race says for the, nothing. That says nothing. Race for the taste. Boo. Uh-uh. Boo. Little O, big taste. Eh, not really. It's medium. I'm not sure I think it has big taste. <laughs> no, it's, 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 that's not what it's even going for, is it? Nobody can say no to Honey Nut Cheerios. I that's guess just true. <laughs> that's that's yeah that's well it's sort of but it's true in a poem it sounds i don't like it because it sounds sinister it's basically like <laughs> it's like you're screwed you can't like i'm addicting you to this thing and you there's nothing you can do about it that's true it makes it seem involuntary yeah i don't like that from the hive that's nuts about honey too much uh-uh. going on too much going yeah. on. <laughs> too much too fun much. okay here we go speaking of fun be happy be healthy uh-uh it's it's ridiculous and a lie. <laughs> <laughs> no no puns, no B puns, no no Z puns. All right, must be the honey. That's it. That just... It's it says based on Nelly's ride with me. Oh no, it must be the money. <laughs> That's amazing. Now I love it. Now I, I didn't like it, but now I love it. That's incredible. <laughs> Hey, must be the honey. <laughs> it's only good if you say it exactly like that. Hey, must be the honey. And good goes round. That's the last one. Good goes round. Yeah, no, it's yeah. not no. good. Boo. All right. All you know that James Marsden was the voice of uh, Busby for a little while there. No, of course I, I, back. Of course I knew that. <laughs> I take um, it back and watch James Martin. It was Jason. He's an, he's an it, was Jason it was Jason Marsden. It was Jason Marsden. I would like to. I would like to um, offer to the to the makers of all breakfast cereals that every one of your slogans should be based on a Nelly song. <laughs> <For now. laughs> should only have Nelly song lyric pun based slogans for your cereals. That would be that. Uh, at least let's do that for a year. Let's just do it for yeah, one year and year. see what I happens. For a year, I think it's good. I think it's good. <laughs> All right, Mike, you got your first pick. All right. Uh, I'm going to pick uh, Frosted Flakes. Um, Frosted Flakes Frosted Flakes is the most, it's the essence of what disgusting sugary cereal is. They took cornflakes, which have very little taste, and they coated them with sugar. That's it. That's all they did. <laughs> and they just poured a ton of sugar onto cornflakes. And when you when were a kid, and I wasn't allowed to have sugary cereal, so if I went to a friend's house for a sleepover, and my mom would let me have sugary cereal at friends' houses after sleepovers. The thing I wanted was Frosted Flakes. Like to it's mm-hmm. it's the it's the mainlining heroin of breakfast cereals. Like when <laughs> when you're when you are in that zone, when you're in that lizard brain where you're like, give me that thing, that kind of that that rush that I want. The thing right. you want now. Some people will say it's Fruit Loops. They're wrong. Some people will say it's Sugar Smacks. They're wrong. The thing you actually want. When you're in that mindset is Frosted Flakes. It is the most efficient sugar delivery system ever devised, uh, yeah. including like pastries, donuts, and it doesn't matter. If you want that feeling, that rush, what you want is Frosted, frosted Flakes. And, uh, and I, to this day, I mean, I haven't eaten Frosted Flakes probably in 15 years, sure. but just like seeing the words Frosted Flakes 
I can tangibly emotionally uh, feel that rush that you get when you eat a bowl of frosted flakes. And I want some right now. I love it. Frosted flakes. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's great. Here are the international names for frosted flakes. Of course, I know you wanted this. Yeah, yeah. In the United States and Canada, it's frosted flakes. In the UK, it's frosties, just frosties. In Hispanic America, it's zucaritas. Fantastic. That's good. Which is sugaries. That's what that is. (laughs) Yeah, I'm calling it that now. (laughs) (laughs) It's sucrijos in Brazil, which also is sugaries. In Japan, it's corn frosty, mm-hmm. which okay, yeah. and then in, in Korea, it's just corn frost. Just, yes, just these are all frost. these are all accurate. They're accurate descriptions of what you're eating. Corn and, <laughs> and in, corn and sugar. Uh, in Delaware, it's Frosted Flakes LLC. Ooh, as, as is all things in Delaware. <laughs> That's why, by the way, I grew up in Delaware. So please appreciate my Delaware banking joke. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You it's are fine. one of two people I know who grew up in Delaware. Yep. So Joe Biden? Go. Is Joe Biden the other one? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know Joe Biden, but yes, right. we'll put I it went, in. I went to school. I went to school for a couple of years with uh, Joe Biden's uh, two sons. There you wow. Yep. Is that true of every single person who went to, De- who grew up in Delaware? Was there I mean, one school in Delaware? It, I mean, it's not, but you're not, you know, you're not thinking on the completely wrong track. Like I, I, I'll, I'll put it this way. I'm pretty good at math, but I was on the, na- I went to a national math competition as one of the four students from Delaware. Whoa. I would not have gotten to go if I lived in California. I'm right. just going to say. How about Rhode Island? Would you have been able to do it in Rhode Island? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That's awesome, though. That's awesome. I'm I'm going to always refer to you as a nationally uh, ranked mathematician. Mathematician. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I got nothing, dude. It was. I mean, I I I went to the. I didn't win. You know, I didn't win. But uh, but I went and and uh, yeah. Did, was was there like a was there like a parade for you in Delaware when you got back with your like forty third place trophy? No, I'll tell you exactly what there was. Uh, I I got to attend slash had to attend the annual banquet of the Delaware Society of Professional Engineers because they sure. had helped finance the trip to Washington. Wow. wow. So we went there so that they could honor us. Uh, so I went there. And it's a whole different story, but actually the first like piece of comedic writing I ever wrote was a little story about going to that banquet and accidentally uh, flipping over my plate into my lap uh, just in the middle of this fancy banquet, um, trying to cut a baked potato, you know, you put the pressure on in the wrong way and the whole plate just goes (laughs) upside down into your lap. That's the first thing. That's the first piece of comedy writing I ever did was my little account of that, uh, that happening to me. So love it. Love it. All right. We're going uh, unexpected directions here on the podcast. Well, if we ever, if we ever went in expected directions, look out. I mean, that's, that's, you know, we actually had a couple of weeks ago, Brandon was like, started talking about his family in like some very meaningful way. And it was like, he ain't coming back. I mean, you can't, you can't do that on this podcast. Come on. No, come on, man. <laughs> All right, he'll come back. All right, with my first pick, I'm going to take Captain Crunch uh, for a couple of reasons. One, obviously, the character himself, Captain Crunch, is just is just wonderful. Uh, the fact that the character's name is wordplay of the historical pirate Jean Lafitte 
is 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 something that I I find wonderfully done. In fact, to the point where he got his own cinnamon crunch cereal. But the main reason I'm Wait, getting Captain true. Wait, what? Oh no, Captain, it's true. Captain Crunch is a pun. Yeah, it's a pun. It's it's wordplay of the historical pirate Jean Lafitte. In the mid 1970s, he was the primary mascot for Jean Lafoot's. That's his name. Jean Lafoot is the name of the of oh, Captain Crunch. Oh, I didn't know there he had go. a name. Yeah, you didn't see. Well, of course, he has a name. I mean, you know, he uh, Captain Crunch is like a title. Um, That's true. The the second thing about Captain Crunch, my the girls love Captain Crunch, so we always have Captain Crunch around this house. And and the great thing is that Margot, uh, my wife, has brought virtually every flavor of Captain Crunch at one point. At least I thought so until I looked. There are like. 40 different Captain Crunch flavors, which is lunacy that you could do that much. But I will give you a few. There is, of course, Captain Crunch Crunch Berries. Everybody knows. Peter Butter Crunch, Choco Crunch, Chocolate Tea Crunch, which is separate from Choco Crunch. Christmas Crunch, Deep Sea Crunch, Oops All Berries, which is one of my all-time favorites. I believe Mike and I have discussed the Oops All Berries um, without, idea. Without question, the funniest <laughs> single thing about the world of breakfast cereal is Oops All Berries. I love it so much. I'm so excited to talk about it again. <laughs> it's, it's so great. Like, they really, truly had an accident at the, at the, at the factory. <laughs> And also, the the premise, if you don't know, is is there's Crunchberry, then there's there's Captain Crunch's Oops All Berries, which the premise of which is there was a there was a, a, a like a meltdown or something at the factory, and they accidentally made a series that cereal is just the berries, and it, that first of all that there's a backstory is so funny, but also I was just gonna say that's so a cereal funny. with a premise with a is... premise that's right it's like a it's a spinoff cereal with a premise, but the funniest thing about Oops All Berries is that on the cover on the the cover the box captain crunch is standing there with his arms uh, with his hands upturned and his shoulders shrugged in the classic uh pose of what are you gonna do with like a with like a kind of like a weird grin on his face yeah, and, and, smile. And, and like the to me it's like i think he sabotaged the factory I think, <laughs> I think he went in there and like you know pulled the lever and then all the berries just came out and now they caught him and they're like what are you captain crunch what are you doing and he's like Bleh. I don't know. What are you going to do? Yeah. And then he says, he says, oops, all berries. Oops, all berries. <laughs> hey, uh, that's what I'm offering. It's what I got. Uh, there, so are numerous, well, there are numerous airhead berries. Um, there's the, there's the oops, smashed berries, uh, where they just basically have flat crunch berries in there. Um, the cosmic crunch, polar crunch, Superman. It goes on and on. Cotton candy <laughs> crunch. I, I didn't know there was a whole like, mishap subspecies oh yeah oh yeah yeah there's also home run crunch which which mike and i have discussed at some time i don't know if they still make home run crunch but it's great because the the cover of that has uh captain crunch like holding a bat on his shoulder like you know it's hard to even explain what he's doing and and then you know they just the pieces are are shaped the crunch berries are shaped in bats and balls. It's it's joyous in so many ways. What a what a versatile character Captain Crunch is. He really is. I, I think this is the worst pick you've ever made in any draft. 
I really do. Captain Crunch is the, you're missing a, a key discussion point here, which is the cereal itself is gnarly. It is so disgusting. <laughs> like I get that the character's fun and there's all these funny offshoots and there's oops all berries, which is a hall of fame level <laughs> breakfast cereal idea. But Cabin Crunch is disgusting. It's, it's like not. It no, is, it's, it's no more so disgusting than gross. Frosted Flakes. They're the oh, it's, same level of it is disgusting. no, it is way more disgusting than Frosted Flakes. It's <laughs> it's truly disgusting. Like I, I, I don't know. This is this is bananas. You chose the character. You lended this. You chose the story of the character <laughs> over the actual serial itself. This is a classic Linda. She transferred. She made a great pick and then transferred her idiosyncratic <laughs> view of these drafts onto you and you and you just swallowed it whole um no i'm not i'm just not going to stand for that i to me uh all of these incredibly sugary cereals are pretty much the same uh so i don't really see a oh. significant difference between captain crunch and oh. uh, and frosted flakes but all that's right. gone linda with your second pick all right uh, my second pick is my uh, sugary cereal of choice. My my, uh, you know, it's all just a shot of glucose to the <laughs> to the gut, uh, which is Apple Jacks. Uh, Apple Jacks are extremely good, and my argument about Apple Jacks, my my fundamental thought point about Apple Jacks, is good at eight in the morning, better at two in the morning. Uh, Apple Jacks are a, uh, they, they're extremely sweet, but they're also the kind of thing where like, if you, if you're up really late and you just think I need a snack before I fall asleep, uh, the Apple Jacks, the bowl of Apple Jacks is going to hit the spot. I also like the fact that it's named after alcohol in a way that most, uh, kids will not recognize, uh, or else the alcohol is named after the cereal. I don't know which it is. Right. But uh, but I like the fact that it shares a name uh, with another intoxicant. Uh, and so I'm going to go with Apple Jacks. I love Apple Jacks. They ta- I don't think they taste anything like apple, as near as I can tell. But uh, they're sugary and cinnamony. And that's my, uh, that's my crazy childhood cereal of choice. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm down on that. But bad pick. It was. Bad, it was. Bad pick. It's bad pick. Well, now we're back to normal. <laughs> one, one. Your point is 100 percent right. There's, there's no. At no point have you ever had an applejack in your life and thought of an apple. No, no, no. no. It's just, it's just nothing but sugar. Plus, they fruit, they, would, fruit would ruin it. That's a plant. <laughs> Fruit. I like fruit would ruin it. I think that's 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 impressive. They're just not very good. I don't think. I mean, like like I said, they all kind of taste. You know, they're all sugar and and that overpowers everything else in the cereal. But yeah, that's the like... thing is like all of the all of that. There's a whole class of cereals, Apple Jacks and Fruit Loops, and all those things where you all you're tasting is sweet. Like the, yeah, the, you're not getting any apple from Apple Jacks. You're not getting any like you know all the Fruit Loops famously are. They're just different colors. They all they're all the same <laughs> amount of sugary. Like it just becomes a blur. Like it, it's too there's too much going on, and and what you end up with is just like the concept of sugar instead of something that's specific about sugar, which is the way I think of like Honey Nut Cheerios. I think of that way, or Frosted Flakes. I think of that way, but Apple Jacks is just like blah. it's just like all it's just. It's just, it doesn't, it, it promises you something it doesn't deliver. Like that's a, that's really the, the problem with it is like you like, okay, 
I'll I'll segue into my second pick by with this argument, which is my second pick is cinnamon toast crunch. Cinnamon toast crunch is super sugary and insanely uh, high glucose, but you actually can taste the cinnamon. The cinnamon actually like is a part of the taste palette, and so it differentiates it for me between like Apple Jacks or Fruit Loops or any of those kinds of things because you you know you're getting the sugar, but you actually have a flavor mixed in. I'm sure the flavor is a some kind of solution that was made in a in a laboratory in New Jersey and just dropped in. It's not actual sugar, but you get but it promises you something that it then delivers on. And also, I think it's delicious. So that's my second pick: is cinnamon toast crunch. Have at it. I mean, I think that's fine, but I do want to point out that someone who conceived multiple versions of the afterlife thinks Apple Jacks have too much going on. I I just want to say, like, I just think of all the knocks that you could make on Apple Jacks, too I, complicated is not. One no, that I, I think I, that that's the right. You're right. You're totally right. That is the wrong way to say it. I didn't. That is a, that is a, a poorly phrased criticism. What I really mean to say is that it 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 is it's suggesting something it doesn't give you like it, it it's like gotcha. look at us we're this special thing but really when you eat it you just taste sugar and i think if if i want a if i want if my cereal promises me something i just want it to deliver on that thing and that's what cinnamon I mean, toast crunch does to me no cinnamon does cinnamon toast doesn't cinnamon toast crunch doesn't have any toast yeah i don't understand the toast element of that why is it not just cinnamon crunch i don't know i mean it I didn't is just invent cinnamon it. crunch <laughs> I'm saying, but why? But why do they call it cinnamon toast crunch? What is the? Where's I think the toast? It, I think it's like it's toasted the way that like Lucky Strike cigarettes were like the tobacco is toasted, and it's like a it's just an advertising thing. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's like. I, I mean, I think that aren't the pieces in the in the shape of little pieces of toast though. Again, I haven't had the cereal in twenty years. Are they not? Oh, in the shape of squares. I think they're just squares. I mean, it depends well, on that, how you cut that your square toast. is also the shape of toast. <laughs> guys, don't don't act like I'm insane. Depending on the, depending on the shape of the bread, they're not. What? You guys acted like they're like I said. Isn't it the taste of? Isn't it the shape of toast? And you were like, no, they're Mobius strips. Like it's a square. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's the shape of toast. All right, all right, here we go. What crunchy, do you think? Of- crunchy, crunchy Mobius strips are also very good. <laughs> here, here are your slogans that you can decide. Uh, the taste you can see. That makes no sense. That's nonsense. This is all cinnamon toast. This is all cinnamon toast crunch. Cinnamon toast crunch. The taste you can uh-huh. see. Yeah. It's that intense. <laughs> okay. <laughs> By the way, where it says, but switched back after poor reception. Yeah, I would imagine so. Well, got- I think maybe they switched back after they had to give back the guy who had previously been advertising snowboarding gear. <laughs> <laughs> Crave those crazy squares. <laughs> yeah, that, that one won't do. Okay, but way, here's my favorite part. That's that is the alternate name of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were switching that immediately. That is immediately what we were calling this. Um, here's my favorite part. In 1997, they decided to campaign, uh, change their campaign slogans. To gear toward adults, they tried to make Cinnamon Toast Crunch more of an adult cereal, which sure. I love. I love that that was a thought point in that meeting, right? Yeah, there. like we have to get let's adults. Go, let's go R-rated with this breakfast cereal. <laughs> <laughs> so here you go with the adult ones. The adult thing to do that was their slogan. <laughs> which, what? Which is joyous. Um, they had a. Uh, they they. Uh, also had breakfast on a whole other level. 
That's terrible. It's really bad. <laughs> and then they also, they also had a fictional adult cereal that they named Health Pellets. Sure. And, and, then, and then the idea is you don't want Health Pellets. You want oh, cinnamon I toast. Oh, right. I get it. They're, they're, they're taking aim at like grape nuts or whatever, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all yeah. you really need to know about Cinnamon Toast Crunch is there's a version of Cinnamon Toast Crunch, which is Cinnamon Toast Crunch churros, which are just, <laughs> it's the same cereal, I believe, but just shaped like churros. But it's like, right, that's that's the taste. Like you can, when you when you understand that, like that's what you're getting is it's that cinnamony, sugary uh, taste. And it's, so the, all they had to do was change the shape. So like, well, you're just eating a bowl of churros, which is amazing. <laughs> Like yeah. it's an it's an incredible thing that they offer you is a chance to eat a, a whole bowl full of churros. Yeah, I like that. I'm into. <laughs> All that. right, with my second pick, I'm going to pick a, a sort of a, a kidsy cereal that I think is actually quite delicious, and and we never get it, but if we ever did get it, I would definitely get it. Uh, Crave the cereal Crave. Have you guys had Crave? Have either of you ever had Crave? No. Is so this it's another, like, is this another mid roll ad? <laughs> <laughs> when you're hungry but you don't know it's um oh it's crave with a k i'm looking it up right now yeah yeah Uh, marketed under the slogan taste unleashed but they're like little what rectangular things with chocolate inside oh my god this is horrifying this is your (laughs) second pick oh yeah this is my second it was almost my first pick it is it is quite delicious no it's not no it's not i'm just telling you it is i'm just telling you crave Quite delicious. Uh, uh, oh, I could, God. I could. It makes me want to barf. Looking, just looking at the images. <laughs> you've never had a bite of Crave. You cannot complain about Crave if you've never had a bite. That's Watch me. There's also, there's also <laughs> Crave. There's Crave s'mores. There's yeah. s'mores cereal. Oh, this is nasty. <clears throat> oh man, Linda, if you're near a computer, chocolate look at now. Crave cereal. Double chocolate Crave. <laughs> this is. This is crave. Joe. This is horrifying. Oh, strawberry delicious. crunch crave. Oh my I god! Would eat, I would eat strawberry crunch crave, but regular crave, delicious. Oh. Just telling you. It's oh my god! This looks gross. Yes, it looks <laughs> so disgusting. It's delicious. Delicious. This lo- you know, I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks exactly like some of the dog treats that I get. My yes, dog it's dog treats. That's exactly what it is. They don't have chocolate in them because dogs can't have chocolate, but it looks exactly like this, except instead of chocolate, it has fake bone marrow. Yeah. Yes. I know exactly the treats you're talking about. That's what these look like. They look like, they look like nutritional nuggets with like meat slurry on the inside. And when you break them open, oh, this is horrifying. This is delicious. You've. Joe, you lost this draft and the next three drafts. You've, you've pre-lost the next. I'm three telling you, drafts. the crave people are going to come out on Twitter, and they're just going to—they're going to come and they're going to back me. All Great. the crave people. I can't are wait out. till they do so. I know who to block. This is horrible. Yeah, no, that looks gross. Oh, oh my God. God! From the Fruit Loops first. Oh no, Apple Jacks, like the, the lesser <laughs> version of Fruit Loops. All right, uh, all right, Linda, you have your third pick. All right. Uh, really wasn't sure what to do with this pick um, because I had already gone for, you know, uh, a, a, a sufficiently grown up choice and a horrifying choice. So this one is uh, somewhere in between. Again, uh, I'm going to go with Life Cereal. Uh, life Cereal, I'm picking because it is the best cereal that I don't know why I like it. Um, <laughs> when you assume that the thing I will say uh, life cereal has one thing that many cereals don't have, and that is suspense. Because 
the minute that you put the milk on the life cereal, the clock starts ticking because you have a very <laughs> limited time to eat it before it turns into just a like a mush pile. Yeah. So it's like a game show every time that you eat life cereal. You a game show you can't win. Yeah, you pour on the milk, you have as much of it as you can, and then by the end it's like it's just like uh it's just like wet wheat and uh sugar. And uh it's okay that way. It makes pretty good cereal milk for the bottom of the bowl. Um but I do like life and I don't know why, but I do like life and I have had a life is one of the ones that you know, if I'm if I were stocking like a vacation house for a weekend or something, uh, I might I might I might put some life in the cupboard. Okay, so here's my question for you because I I do like life cereal, but have you ever had Crispix? <laughs> I have it's, had Crispix. Crispix is, is Crispix. It's well, it's basically like it's life, crispier. but somehow they they have solved the problem that you're yeah. talking about. It doesn't turn to mush, and I always loved Crispix. I thought about drafting Crispix. Because I always loved it, and the and the the main selling point of Crispix, besides it's just you know it's wheat and and sugar, is that it stays crunchy an amazingly yeah. long time. Like they some kind of like incredible engineer who should definitely have been working on like interstellar space travel or like a vaccine of some kind, like d- like discovered a way to keep cereal like yeah. life and and Crispix crispy and milk and and it's a, it feels like a miracle when you eat it because it doesn't have that it doesn't dissolve into mush. Yeah, that's a solid suggestion. I like it. I I do think that it's great that the uh that the life cereal Wikipedia page literally has a photo of mushy life with the with the you know caption if left in milk too long, the cereal becomes soggy. Like, like it's a defining enough feature of yeah. life that they they have to put that in. But you know what? If you think about it, isn't that just like real life? Oh. <laughs> that is a thought point if I've ever heard one right there. And by, yeah. by too long, they mean 45 seconds. Yeah, yeah. What, 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 goes, what happens faster? Does life become mush? faster or do raspberries go bad faster Ooh. Uh, both very both very fast relative, very fast. To, relative to your expectations you have to eat raspberries within two to eight minutes of getting them oh home. yeah <laughs> you basically have to if you buy them at a grocery store you basically have to eat them on the way home well, on the right. way home i mean by the time they get home it might be too late it's yeah. true in the car gotta eat they're, them in the car. they're like they're fully ripe and beautiful as the checkout person picks them up and by the time they're done scanning them they've gone bad yeah it's true <laughs> all right mike your third and final pick I'm, i was tempted to choose crispix i was tempted to choose regular cheerios because cheerios taste pretty good without being sugary and mm-hmm. also you can also put a lot of stuff on them in fact i'm just going to choose cheerios i'm going to choose cheerios um i was going to choose honey bunches of oats because honey bunches of oats are secretly amazing my also son eats my son eats them every day, and the, the little nut oat cluster things in mm-hmm. Honey Bunches of Oats are like the best one version of that kind of thing in a cereal. But I'm going to choose Cheerios because I have two other sugary cereals, and I'll choose a non-sugary one. And Cheerios are great. On their own, they taste good. They taste good as a snack. You can just eat a handful of them, and they taste good. But you can, but Cheerios have the, have the, are like a universal receiver. Um, sure. or other stuff. So you can you can chop up a banana. You can throw blueberries in there. You can throw strawberries in there. You can put a whole bunch of stuff in a bowl of Cheerios 
and the meal actually gets healthier than it would have been if you were just eating cereal. And none of no sugary cereal has that. You can't you can't add apple slices to apple jacks or like your whole world is gonna <laughs> is gonna go sideways. So I choose Cheerios because it both because it's good, but also because it it suggests it it in fact it sort of instructs you to make your breakfast healthier by adding some kind of fruit. Uh, into the thing, you know, it's secretly really good. No one believes me on this, but I secretly really good. If you pour, if you make yourself a bowl of Cheerios and slice up a bunch of grapes, it's counterintuitive, but it's so good. Like I highly recommend putting grapes in your Cheerios. That's rebellious, right there, to be going with <laughs> grapes in there. I, I, Cheerios. Is, I mean, I want to be able to tear your pick apart for obvious reasons, but uh, but it's a really good pick because here's the thing about Cheerios. When I was a kid. I didn't want Cheerios because, you know, you don't have the you don't have the adult palate yet. So if if you got Cheerios, you wanted as much sugar put on it as possible right. uh, as a kid. But when, as an adult, like it's quite sweet on its own, like like Cheerios. The idea of adding sugar to Cheerios would not make any sense to me now. And Cheerios is sort of the go to my go to cereal. It's the one that I actually eat. Uh, and, and now it just feels super sweet and it is the best cereal for adding fruit. I don't yep. know about grapes. I haven't tried that, but I will try that. Um, but any fruit that you add, you know, cornflakes probably is okay with that too. Um, but Cheerio is the best cereal for adding fruit. Yeah. It's a, it's a good pick. It's a solid pick. I like it. <laughs> It's a good thing. All right. We feel you, you did all right. You did all right. All right. My third pick, I'm going to take a cereal that I've not had a bite of in 20 years and, and, uh, and I don't care um, because I've, you know, that's, that's, I don't care. Uh, I am going to take, well, I'm going to take one, but I want all of them because none of them, uh, because I basically am taking it for only one reason. Uh, and that is to complain about something that I've already complained about on this podcast. I'm going to take Count Chocula cereal. And the reason, and, and I have not had Count Chocula and, and will not have Count Chocula. I mean, it is, it is quite gross, uh, I imagine, and very <laughs> chocolatey with the marshmallows. But I'm taking it for the whole genre of monster cereals. I love the, I love the idea of the monster cereal. I, I love the concept. And I love that there are four monster cereals that make sense when you look at the names. You have, of course, Count Chocula, which makes perfect sense. You have Booberry, which is the best named of the cereals. Also, probably the most disgusting of the ideas to make a blueberry type of cereal along those lines. You have Fruit Brute, which is the lesser known of the groups. And you have Yummy Mummy, uh, which is also among the lesser known of the group. So you have these four. And then you have Frankenberry. And you want to talk about thought points. Frank, I can't even tell you, sadly, how often I think about how much I hate Frankenberry as a name and a concept. I, it's, it is, it is, they, somebody gave up. They just gave up at the, at the factory. It's like, we have strawberry and we have Frankenstein and, and we're and Frankenberry doesn't sound like Frankenstein and Frankenberry doesn't sound like strawberry. So we're just going to, they just gave up. They, I, I don't know how long that meeting went on, how many thought points were discussed, but at one point they just went, forget it, we're calling it Frankenberry, and that's the end of that. And 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 it has lasted, and you can still buy Frankenberry cereal, and it's it's the worst of all of the cereal uh, concepts. So 
that's the only reason I'm really taking it is to give my rant of Frankenberry because I think way too much about that. You have, do you have blown this so hard? I mean, it's <laughs> like, I know I've said this before, but this is the worst draft you've ever put together. I mean, this you is, have said this before. Is this worse than my pretzel draft? Yeah, it is. Captain oh, Crunch, Captain Crunch is disgusting. Crave <laughs> is a, is an abomination against uh, nature. And Count Chocula is like, the, all of those series are terrible. Like, they, we're not, we weren't picking cereal mascots, Joe. We were picking yes, cereals. We no, yes, we, we were. No, was, we were. No, nobody gave me rules on this thing. I was picking cereal mascots. Plus, Crave is delicious. I'm sorry. I'm going to the grave on that one. Oh going God. to the grave with Crave. <laughs> That's definitely the hill you want to die on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, I, I definitely did not know about I feel like Yummy Mummy is like the gummo marks of those cereals. <laughs> it's the one where everybody sits there and is like, "What's the other one?" No, <laughs> it's the, in the if the, in the Trivial Pursuit or whatever. If if you have to name all of them, you'll you'll miss that one. Yeah. Yeah, Yummy Mummy. <laughs> very bad, right? Bad name. I mean, I mean it's they're... a bad name, but they're cereals named after cartoon monsters, so I don't get too upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I have enough rage for all of us on this. So that will, will, will be okay. All right. There we go. Another super successful draft. <laughs> um, we have, uh, we're, it's time for one last meaningless thing. Before we do that, I wanted to make a very quick plea to everybody. I, I was going to mention this to earlier, but uh, if you have a chance, um, some of you may know that, uh, that I and, uh, and uh, my friend, Dan McGinn, uh, started a project called Passions in America, where we are trying to um, explore people's passions and and uh, and and you know sort of encourage people uh, best we can to explore their passions. And uh, it's it's so healthy and important, and for mental health and physical health, to try to to find time in the in the day for for yourself. Obviously, when the pandemic hit, um, you know a lot of that went uh, away, and and we can't spend too much time. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to raise uh, a little money and also raise uh, spirits over at passionsinamerica.com. And it's a very simple thing we're asking. All we're asking for people to do is send in a photo of something that uh, has brought you some joy or peace or comfort uh, during this pandemic. It's a very, uh, we've gotten a few hundred of them already, even though we haven't officially even started the the, the, the program yet. Um but we're just looking for a photo of anything. It could be your pet, could be a game you play with your family, it could be uh, gardening, it could be uh, a scene in nature. It doesn't matter. I mean, we've gotten so many creative ideas. Uh, send us a photo to photos at passionsinamerica.com. Uh, it's all you got to do is forward it to that email address, photos at passionsinamerica.com. And what we're going to do is we're, for every person who sends us a photo, we are going to donate $10 to So Others Might May Eat, which is a Washington, D.C. area uh, food pantry and charity. Uh, so Others May Eat, it's some.org if you want to check it out. It's a, it's a fantastic charity. Uh, so we are going to donate up to, we, we're hoping, we think it's a long shot, but we're hoping to get 2,500 people to send us photos. We'd like to donate $25,000. Uh, to some and and uh, and at that point if we ever got there we would uh, look for ways to keep going forward but but all you need to do is send a photo to photos uh, at uh, passionsinamerica.com uh, and uh, and we can and we're gonna post these photos 
uh, over on the website. They're so inspiring to see. So we're hoping to raise money for a great cause, and we're hoping to raise a few spirits uh, over at passionsinamerica.com. So that's my one meaningful thing that I wanted to say. Um, Two things real quick. Um, first of all, in the future for you know maximum engagement with your audience, don't wait two hours into the podcast. <laughs> To, to tell people I, what you want them to do. because I only want people who are willing to sit through this entire thing. <laughs> okay. And the second thing is I have a passion, which is I collect vintage boxes of Crave cereal. So <laughs> if I sent you, uh, if I sent you a photo of, of those boxes yeah. of Crave, would that count? Would that? Would would. You, okay, it, great. It would, it would count. Yes. Please, please feel free to send anybody who wants to send in photos of, of Crave cereal. Uh, we might not post those, but, uh, but you know, we're, we are we are giving ten dollars for every person who sends a photo, uh, regardless. So uh, yes, it's, all right, it's great. A, it's a great. It, it really is a cool thing. All right, one last meaningless thing. It's one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. We talk about sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, no Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast whoa, it's one last whoa, meaningless thing. I'll start. Um, so super meaningless. We, uh, I've mentioned on this podcast before that during this pandemic, my daughter and I, my youngest daughter and I, uh, play table tennis every day or as as often as we can. We have a, a little, I, I got a, a ping pong table for my birthday this year. And so we have it in this little room upstairs. Uh, it's not little, obviously, so we can, we wouldn't be able to play, but it's, you know, a, a regular room and the door on the, on the, uh, for the room doesn't fully close, which is, it, it, it sort of closes. Uh, but if you bang on the door pretty hard, it will, it will um, open up. Our dog, Wesley, hates or loves, it's hard to tell what his true emotions are, but he has very strong emotions about us playing ping pong. He wants to be there when when we do it so he can jump on the table and get the ball and chew it up. Uh, he, he literally goes out of his mind. Well, not literally. He figuratively goes out of his mind uh, to play uh, ping pong, which is, you know, which is fine, but we just keep the door closed he has figured out now that he can if he pushes really hard on the door and like bangs it with his paws he can open the door he's figured this out so he now does that all the time where we're playing ping pong and he'll just rush up the stairs bang on the door for as long as it takes and then open the door which is very funny and 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 wonderful um the problem is he thinks all doors are like this now so he is basically just going around our house banging on doors, trying to get them open up all the time, all the time. And I don't know how you rid a dog of that. Once that dog has that piece of information in his mind, forget it. It's over. There's, there's, we're not gonna be able to convince him like, look, that's the only door that works that way. So we're stuck for as long as necessary with a dog who is going to bang on every door to try to get out. That's fantastic. Amazing. (laughs) It's so meaningless. (laughs) <laughs> all right uh, linda you have a meaningless thing uh i do um i would argue it's it's probably not meaningless enough for this but um 
if there is one name that appears more than any other when I talk about things I like, it's probably Mark Evan Jackson, who, um, in addition to being uh, a wonderful supporting actor in many, many projects, including um, parts of the Mike Shorniverse, um, before I knew him from that, I knew him as a participant in the uh, wonderful podcast and live show Thrilling Adventure Hour, which is... um, created by Ben Acker and Ben Blacker and it's essentially like old time radio so it has like it has like sketches but they're based on like what radio sounded like in like the 30s and 40s um radio serials and stuff and um s-e-r-i-a-l-s um and uh Mark Evan Jackson plays a uh a a lawman in space named Sparks Nevada uh Marshall on Mars and he sings his own theme song, which is wonderful. Uh, and they have been doing Thrilling Adventure Hour uh, live Zoom shows uh, during pandemic times. And they do them as fundraisers. You buy a ticket uh, and they raise money. Uh, I believe it's for one of the food banks. Um, and I have watched a couple of them live. They then put the live streams up. And... Uh, Recently, they did one in which they included a song called Ride Along Sparks Nevada, which uh, Sparks Nevada himself does not actually uh, appear in this one. You should certainly seek out clips of Mark Evan Jackson singing the theme song to Sparks Nevada. But this is this song called Ride Along Sparks Nevada, written uh, by... Uh, I believe by uh, it's Eben Schletter or Eben Schletter um, songwriter who has written many of the funny songs that you have liked on things like Mr. Show and other things, but it's this legitimately wonderful, beautiful m- sort of mournful cowboy lullaby uh, sung on, over zoom by Janet Varney, Jonathan Colton and Paul F. Tompkins with uh the songwriter on theremin uh it is legitimately beautiful harmony by these wonderful performers i think of as being funny and great in all different ways i was so delighted by it and it's one of those things that really made me think about the fact that the fact that funny and brilliant people are out there like just making little little baubles to listen to and uh and watch is very much keeping me from losing my mind. So um, you can seek out the video of that song uh, on the Thrilling Adventure Hour Twitter feed, which is at Thrilling Adv, Thrilling ADV um, on Twitter. And you can find all of the info about watching their live shows. Gosh, it was wonderful. And the song is weirdly beautiful for a comedy show. Uh, and so that, that, is my, uh, that is my meaningless thing. A little too meaningful. A little too meaningful. I was going to say yeah. deeply, deeply meaningful, but I couldn't help it. It was what I wanted to talk about the most. All right. Uh, just, just be careful next time is all I'm saying. Just, <laughs> right. just watch, watch yourself. Uh, I, I'll go for something uh, less moving next time. My, um, my meaningless thing is, uh, is related to our draft and um, it's a passionate and spirited defense of grape nuts. Um, grape nuts get a bad rap for many reasons. They're small and pebble like they're mostly tasteless. Um, and Jerry Seinfeld did a famous bit about them uh, that was then turned into a different bit that was not from him, but it was no grapes, no nuts, what's the deal, that kind of thing. And uh-huh, um, uh-huh. and they're you know they're they're like they're little um, 
like high powered fiber nuggets that, um, that work on your digestive system in mysterious ways. And I get it. I get it. If people don't like them, it's fine, but secretly grape nuts are great and I love them. And I would have drafted them if I, if I didn't know for a fact that I would have been dunked on super hard by both Linda and Alan, uh, Alan, <laughs> Joe, Joe. Alan is going to dunk on you. For By the way, if Alan, if Alan had been a part of this draft, it did occur to me he would have chosen like ice cream and then tried That'd to explain <laughs> how, how like uh, it was. It secretly is a cereal, but um, but grape nuts are great, and and I and I I just think that they they've gotten this um they've achieved this place in the culture where people just say like use them as the kind of default uh, example of something that's not that doesn't taste good. But if you if you like give yourself a little treat, have a small bowl of grape nuts and put some uh, strawberries and bananas like like um, Cheerios. They they carry other they carry fruits really well. And if you just put a little strawberry banana in there, put some blueberries in there and you'll be surprised. I think if you haven't had grape nuts in a long time because of how bad a wrap they get, you'll be surprised about how good they taste. I, I just I want people to reconsider grape nuts as an actual good tasting food. That's my meaningless thing. You know what? I, I have to tell you. I thought about drafting them only semi-ironically. Like, <laughs> I thought about drafting them on the theory that I don't think they taste particularly good. They're so hard, they can break your teeth. Mm-hmm. And, and yet, somehow, that product has lasted yeah. and lasted. It has outlasted countless cartoon character cereals. Oh, yeah. it, it is like the... It is like the postal service of cereals it's yes. always there rain sleet, reliable workmanlike milk, yes absolutely work, and valuable valuable to the culture i support yeah. you i thank support you. you thank you linda a component of the jungle ration <clears throat> used by some u.s and allied forces during world war ii yeah for what eating a- or for something else <laughs> <laughs> that it doesn't say it you know it's multiple but it's multiple uses for improvised explosion devices that they would use to blow up tanks <laughs> according, according to this page by the way mike in new england grape nut ice cream is a popular regional dish yes is well I, I think that yes i think that part of i don't know if that's true to this day but it is part it, a part of my love of grape nuts is definitely that they're they're a very new englandy thing if you grew up in new england you eat you grew up or at least when i did you grew up eating grape nuts for cold cereal and oatmeal for hot cereal and um and that was the deal like my my mom's side of the family in, lives in texas and you, you when you went down there you would get grits instead of oatmeal if you wanted hot right. cereal and oatmeal, real hearty, chunky oatmeal, uh, which is like not not like instant oatmeal, not um, but like just make oatmeal with Quaker oats. That also is delicious. It has no really? taste at all. But yeah. if you if you stir in brown sugar and sir or syrup or whatever, oatmeal is amazing. Like oatmeal should also be considered reconsidered as a, as like you actually love this. You think you don't think you do, but you actually do. Yep. I like it. I like it. Defending the honor of oatmeal and grape nuts in yeah. one podcast. What more could you want? Throw oatmeal. Uh, <laughs> Linda, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here. Thank you so much for having me. It's always an absolute delight. It's so delightful to have you. And Mike, as always, thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs>